What is up? It is Super Nerd Pals episode 117. It is... Zach, what time is it in Los Angeles? 8.41 p.m. It's 8.41 in Los Angeles, 11.41 in New York City. You know what that means? It's Mario time. I'm one of your pals, Stan Gadurski. I'm Andy Karasquilla. I'm Chris Jepson. Joining us from E3 itself, Zach Lyons. Hello. Zach Lyons. What up? Zach, please tell us, how is your first E3? Uh, better than I was expecting, but also worse than I was expecting. Huh. <laughs> if how, that how makes any sense. How can it be better <laughs> and worse? Well, Zach, how does it feel to know that you work so hard to get to E3, and the year that you get to go, anybody can go? Because it's open to the public. Yeah, it felt... See, this is one of the many reasons why it was better than I expected and worse than I expected. It was fine because I didn't, I don't have any other E3 to compare it to. So to me, it was just like any other big convention with lots of public, um, just with, you know, media appointments. But on the other hand, knowing that there were over 60,000 people there in total, it would have been really nice to have only 45,000. So it was pretty crazy. Man, SMP just needs our, our E3 passes. Well, we'll hey. Our... Not even. You just open your wallet. Open your wallet and you too can go to E3. Sure well, can. If not E3, Zach and I were talking about it. We should go to PAX Australia. Woo! Yeah, man. Meet up halfway. And by halfway, I mean I'll travel three hours and you guys travel 13. <laughs> I'm done with that. Sounds fair. <laughs> Wait, no, you're coming from the East Coast. Sorry, 18. <laughs> but it's Melbourne. You know, like most, <laughs> two-thirds of PAXs are in America. Why would we go to Australia? Because Australia is awesome, and it's close to Zach, and we love well, Zach. Well, to be fair, New Zealand is awesome, and Australia is right next door to New Zealand. <laughs> Zach, Sorry, just come. There's, there's a yeah, how, about, between how, about you, how about you travel 18 hours to the East Coast? You know, I would love to because I love New York, and plus on the East Coast, that's a lot closer to Michigan, so I could visit my family and friends there too. But you know, probably next time we make an East Coast trip, it'll be the whole family, and not for a convention. <laughs> <laughs> no, get press passes for your wife and kid. That'd be great. I would love to get press passes for them, but you know, that still doesn't cover the flight and accommodation. <laughs> But we had to, we just have to tweet it at Nintendo. Please pay for us. We love yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Nintendo. I bet that'll work. I bet it won't work. <laughs> no. Get a belief. Believe in the heart of the cards. Uh. Right. <laughs> so on to the three stuff. Uh, I like to know like uh, your overall experiences. Like, I mean, you did a lot besides reporting. I mean, you went to. Um, I like to like to know what you did. I mean, you, you did a lot of reporting. Obviously, we'll go over that. But you did a lot of other activities, like all the Kingdom Hearts stuff. Like, how about that? Yeah. yeah so I got in Saturday. It's Friday now. I've been here almost a full week. I've been to three days out of three of E3. I attended two press conferences, being Bethesda and Sony, as well as their pre-event mixers or activity days or whatever. 
and I went to two of the three uh, showings of the Kingdom Hearts concert, as well as you know just catching up with friends and whatnot. <sighs> yeah, where to, I don't know even know where to start. The Kingdom Hearts concerts were amazing. If you're not a fan of the games, then you'll probably skip it. Why would you go to Kingdom Hearts concert if you're not a fan of the games? But if you've played them, especially if you've played all of them, they are so, so good. And I was really, really lucky to get the opportunity to go to the second show as uh, press. I'd already bought my first, the tickets for the first one months ago. So it's just like seeing a movie twice that you like. Um, and I never... Like, I'm not a super emotional person. And uh, at, during the encore of the first show, I cried. <laughs> it was it was so good because it's you know it's like the lo- it's the orchestra it's the local orchestra doing it and uh shimamura who composed the music for the series she came out a couple times during the show to like introduce the next piece or talk about it a little bit and uh at the end for the encore she came out and played a song on the piano you know with the rest of the orchestra and during that finale it was really cool because as it's becoming a big thing with video game concerts lately, they had like a big screen behind playing footage from the game. Like Sora's theme plays, they've got a montage of Sora, bad guy montage for the bad guy and villain uh, song. And during the final, the encore, they had like end credits going on the screen, like as, you know, who helped set up the orchestra and the world, the world tour. And it was just like end credits in the game with the same music for the end credits and stuff. And for whatever reason, when Shimamura started playing in that, I was just like, this is so amazing. I love this so much. And I just, ah, man, it was so good. So powerful. If you pl- like, I've been playing these games for half of my life. They came out 15 years ago and I'm 30 now. And so it's, it's just such a huge thing for me. That was really amazing. You're literally living the dream. <laughs> and and that that heartfelt post you shared on Facebook, like yeah. it was like, oh Zach, we're vicariously living th- th- through you. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really want to go see that. Um, the yeah. Kingdom Hearts Symphony. The next one's in New York. You better have tickets, and if you don't have tickets, you get it because Andy, I know you're a big fan, and you will love it. Oh yeah, I will love every single oh. moment of that. There's there's one interesting like. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Like there's um, when Shion's theme starts playing, there's uh, the the voice actress who plays Shion in the Japanese version. Uh, she records some lines of dialogue to lead into that bit, and it's uh, there are three lines that there are three bits where the Japanese voice actors of different characters speak over footage, and they're new lines. They're not in the games. They're not pulled from the games. But they're canon to the series. So, like, there's a, a bit from Xion, as in, like, a letter she wrote to Roxas before she went away. And that's quite touching. And there's a bit from uh, Kyrie talking to Sora, or sending Sora a letter while she's training with Merlin and Lee. And that's kind of bridging the gap between uh, 0.2, where they're at, and uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 to show what they're up to. And there's another one that I think is Terra. Um, it's either Aqua or Terra. I can't quite remember. I think it's Aqua actually talking to Terra. But in any case, those are really cool because they're new snippets of 
information, just giving you a bit more insight. And you won't get that. Like you could find transcriptions of it online that people have already posted, but it's really cool to experience that. That's really awesome. Yeah. That's and, fantastic. You know, Nomura came on stage at the very end too, both times. So. Uh, what was your? Sorry, I guess was the um, wait, was it Shinomura when Shinomura came on? Was that your favorite part of the concert or? So it's definitely the most uh, powerful, I think. Uh, there were a lot of really good points. Like there's uh, after a big actiony, high tempo piece finishes up, and then it fades to black. And then it starts fading on, and the video is uh, Disney Castle, and it starts doing like the Disney music, the Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse theme, and it's just such a funny juxtaposition to what just finished, and like the whole crowd laughed when it happened. Um, awesome. The crowd, the crowd is also a good part because people like you know how passionate Dis- or uh, Kingdom Hearts fans can be, and during the Wednesday night show, during Sunday night. The Sunday daytime show is a bit more subdued. Everyone still enjoyed it, but Wednesday was definitely more excitable. Like, there's a a battle theme uh, song that goes through in the middle as, like, an amalgamation of all the different battle themes. And there's a bit where it gives a couple seconds of spotlight on the footage to each of the Final Fantasy characters. So it's, like, clouds on screen. The crowd went fucking nuts. And it's, like, clapping and cheering and going wild. And then... Squall's on screen, and people are cheering and going crazy. And just that for like eight or nine Final Fantasy characters, everyone that came on screen, people were like, yeah! It's so funny. That's fucking awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. E3. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I Tell could, me about it. I could it. literally spend an entire episode just talking about this concert. <laughs> what did, you, did you play anything? I played many things. Would you like to hear all of the games I played? Yes, and then all the things. It's a it's a beefy list. I'll tell you the games that I saw video demos for, like behind closed door stuff, um, and then I'll tell you the ones that I've actually played, and you can tell me what you want to hear more about. So the video demos I saw were Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, Monster Hunter World, uh, Project Cars Two, Dragon Ball Fighters, Nino Kuni Two, Life is Strange Before the Storm, A Plague Tale, Insurgents, Detroit, Become Human, Vampire, Days Gone, God of War, Spider-Man. The games I played were Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, uh, Lawbreakers, Indivisible, Laser League, Pwned, Archangel, Moss, Skull and Bones, Far Cry 5, Detroit, Become Human, and Star Child. All right. I'm going to go with something that you might not expect to be asked about. Tell me about Vampire. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you asked about that one, actually, because (laughs) I'm not a big vampire guy. I don't really enjoy vampire media. And I don't mean just like Twilight, but I mean the edgy, dark one movies from the 90s. Underworld. Yeah, like I don't care about it. Blade. Yeah. Blade Blade, Trinity. And I just don't even care. You know Triple H was a vampire? (laughs) In Blade was, Trinity. Was. Wasn't Ryan Reynolds in Blade Trinity? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was he was, he was actually snarky Deadpool before he was Deadpool. I was gonna say he was Wade Wilson. Yeah, basically. But I think the first piece of vampire media I've actually ever enjoyed was uh Taika Waititi movie What We Do in the Shadows. And that's like such a comedy and such a piss take that it's it's not to be taken seriously. And 
the trailers with Vampire, I was not at all impressed. Like, they, they look flashy and cool, especially the new one is so misleading because it's one of those pre-rendered cutscene trailers. It's got very little gameplay in it. The gameplay looks much more, like, graphically speaking, the game looks much more mediocre than the trailer. But I loved what it looked like. I, I did like I did a complete 180. I went from being absolutely uninterested, only going to the appointment because it was like a publisher appointment. So I checked out two or three games from Focus Home, and that was one of them. To being like totally 100% on board, and I want this game. Like it looks so fun. It, it wasn't the, playable, but sorry. Aren't they the people who made Life is Strange? Uh, yeah, don't nod. Entertainment. Yeah. That's correct. So they also did, I think, uh, Remember Me. Yeah. Okay. I like that game. That's strange. I, I have it on PS3, but I haven't played it. <laughs> just like so <laughs> many games. Yeah, there's just, but, there's just not enough vampire games. Yeah, well, there was one in the early 2000s or late 90s called Vampire the Masquerade that my brother and sister and a few of my friends got way into. And I tried it out. It, it, it's like a very well-loved game for people who enjoy the genre. Mm. But... But yeah, vampire- I played I played Vampire the Masquerade with uh with my guide like the the actual like live action role playing role oh, book cool. game and it's it it is so cool and it it goes crazy hardcore to vampire lore like there's I don't know like fifteen different like subclasses of vampires and like all these different societies and and hierarchies and institutions it's 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 awesome. But yeah, the, the gameplay for Vampire is just so interesting to me. It's, I feel like one of the biggest things that gaming's, gaming is holding on to right now and really going with is the whole, your know, choices matter thing. Uh, the gameplay is so interesting because it's taking that concept of your choices matter and using it in a different way. It's not just like dialogue trees and stuff where you have different options, but it's also, do you want to kill people and take their blood or do you not? If you do, you'll level up quicker. Like, you can level up slowly through combat and taking enemies down and stuff, but you'll get a big boost in EXP by picking people and uh, taking their blood, basically. You know, just bite their neck and get your sustenance. You'll get a big EXP boost. The better you know a person, like, the more you learn about them and their relationships with other people and... Like, if you do them a favor, or if you help someone out that they know, maybe. There are just lots of things you can do to interact with people that will unlock more choices in your dialogue and will gain the amount of, or it will raise the amount of EXP you get when you take their life. And if you decide to kill someone and take their blood, then that will affect the game going forward. That'll affect the people that they have relationships with. Uh, so, like, the, the video demo they showed had uh, a guy who lives with his mother, like, a grown man who lives with his mother, and, like, they kind of take care of each other. But uh, he's also jealous of this kid who's getting all his mom's attention. He's got some issues uh, because the kid doesn't have any parents, so she kind of looks after him. And so you you go learn about this guy, and doing that unlocks more dialogue with his mother. And then... You can talk to the kid, too, and the mother's got the relationship with both the kid and the son. And 
eventually they've unlocked all of the dialogue options with her, which means she's got she gives a whole heap of extra bonus EXP. So they decide to kill her. And then the next day, after he sleeps, the son has moved into her house and doesn't even care that she's dead. But the the kid is like off in a corner on the street, devastated. And you don't know what repercussions it's going to have going forward, but they said, you know, it will. So you could go through the entire game without killing anybody and just level up slowly and tediously by grinding in battles. But if you want to get through a bit quicker and see what will change, kill some people. But you get to choose who. I'm going to choose all of them. Yeah, <laughs> try it out. <laughs> That might be an option. That, that sounds know. like intense-ass Tokyo Ghoul, the video game. I don't, I've never it's seen Tokyo nice. Ghoul, but yeah, it's it's really cool. I'm sold on Vampire. Thumbs up for me. It was one I'm, of my top three games of the show. I'm nice. definitely sold, too. Um, yeah, I like, I like that you're a doctor, but also like a vampire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to know more about Detroit Become Human, because when the first trailer came out, it it was that trailer where you're on the rooftop... And you're like, it's all noir, and you, you're, there was like a hostage situation. And then when I was watching the trailer, it was like a complete total shift. It's like you now you you're, you play as like the leader of an android revolution, and it's like an inverted iRobot. It's like, oh my god, this sounds this is way cooler than I expected. I mean, I was really excited for you before, but I, I wasn't expecting like this plot thread. So uh, I really, really am excited for this game. So I wanted to hear your thoughts about it. I am loving your guys' choices because Detroit was one of my other top three games of the show. Oh! <laughs> like ESP, we're all this, linked. This is amazing. So you guys are bringing things up that I actually actively want to talk about as opposed to things like mm-hmm. Uncharted. I've never played an Uncharted game, so I don't <laughs> really care about talking about that. This was totally <laughs> but, um, planned. Cough, cough. Yeah, yeah. But Detroit is one of the few games that I got to watch a presentation as well as play it. The playable demo they had was a current run or current build of that trailer where you're on the rooftop scenario. So that they just uh, showed off a couple different things that you can do. And this one, you actually played that scenario and and did some detective work in the room before you go to the rooftop to see why he's out there, why he's got the girl held captive, what you can do to try and get him down, how you can save the girl. Your mission is to save the girl. Mm. It's interesting because... Watching people play it while I was waiting to play it, it looked really boring. And, you know, they had the headphones on, so I couldn't hear anything that was happening, and I didn't want to watch because I wanted to solve the puzzles myself. But when what I saw looked really, eh, you know, it was kind of underwhelming. But when I sat down and played it myself, like everything else in the room was just gone. I was just focused on the game. I was so into it, and it was so engrossing. There's a bit of detective work in it where, okay, you're in this apartment. And you have to look around. There's some shattered glass over here. Hide the glass shatter. And you examine it. And you can, because you're an android, you can kind of replicate a simulation of what you think happened. And you can fast forward and rewind that simulation to uh, significant points. Like, okay, here's the glass shattering. So a bullet came from over that way. Okay, did something fall over? Okay, let's look under the couch to see if something fell over. Yeah, okay, there's the gun. Uh, stuff like that. And so there there are points that are designated in the simulation that you need to check out and investigate. And you have to like shift the camera around this way or that to see where there's something else that you can check out. And once you've found all the points uh, in that simulation worth investigating, you've finished that simulation and you know what happened there. And there are three or four points that you need to investigate 
in the in the apartment as a whole, like in the kid's bedroom and in the kitchen and in the living room. And each one has more points to check out than the last. So it gets a bit more tough and a bit more complex. Uh, and you don't have to do all of them. You can do one, you could do none. You could do all four. But the more of the story you piece together, the higher success rate of saving the girl. So like you go in with about a 28% or 30% success rate. If you just go straight out, you've got a pretty low chance of saving her. But solving one puzzle, you learn the android's name. Solving another puzzle, you learn that uh, the family was going to get a new android and he was going to be replaced. You know, you find out why he's taken this girl who's got a close relationship with uh, Edge of the Rooftop and why he's about to kill himself and her. And after doing all four, I had like a 79% chance of success. You know, just going up a little bit each time. And if you approach him too quickly, the percentage goes down. He gets nervous. So you have to walk towards him slowly. And, you know, you're talking him through it. And that's where some of this, the dialogue trees come in. Is he'll talk to you and you have to decide how to approach it. And, you know, whether you want to be diplomatic, you want to lie to him to get his trust, or you want to just be a straight shooter and tell him all the truth. Um, sometimes, uh, obviously, one way is going to work out better than another. You might uh, have a 5% better chance. You may drop 20%. I said something that I thought was the right thing at one point, I was at 99% success rate. And then he said something and I replied and it went down to 79. I was like, shit. Because oh, no. <laughs> I was so into it. I was like, oh my God, that just fucked it. I was really worried that I had just screwed everything up. And 79% is still a long way better than the 29% I started with. But I just, I felt like I'd done such a bad thing there. <laughs> Did you accidentally yeah. say something like really racist or something like? No, no. <laughs> I, just, I think it was a point where I told him the truth. He said, "Yo, I don't want to die," and I'm like, "Hey, there's nothing I can do about that. You've done, you've gone too far. You know what's gonna happen when we get you down from here. But you know, she doesn't need to suffer for this." And he didn't want to hear that. He didn't want to hear that he has to die, even though he knows that. So that's why he was like, "No, man, you know, I don't want to die." But eventually, I did succeed felt really good like it was that sense of accomplishment in the game when you do something right so that that felt quite good and i i'm not gonna no i'll tell you i was gonna say i'm not gonna say how the scene ended but i will because there's so many ways the scene could end and that's the whole point of it is there's so many different things you can do in so many different ways it can progress and how i got it was the uh android on the ledge whose name is daniel let the little girl go but like he he wasn't holding her he was just holding her hand and he started to let her go and then he started to go backwards. Um, and then I made the snap decision to tackle him. He's already going over, but she needs to be safe. She's still being held on. So I, went, I ran up and grabbed her, threw her off, and tackled him over. So she is back on the uh, roof. She's okay. But I'm going over the edge with him. And the scene ends with me and him both falling. And it says mission complete. Whoa, cliffhanger. So, That's crazy. That's yeah. great. But, you know, based on the trailer that they showed last time, you know that it could be where I take him in safely and we're both okay. And, you know, he's probably going to be killed anyway. But, you know, where I don't fall. But my guy isn't freaking out that he's fallen or he's an android, right? So I don't know if they could repair him or what. But he's one of the three main playable characters. His name, I believe, is Connor. Then the one in the trailer, who's played by the guy in Grey's Anatomy. I don't remember his name. Uh, his name is Marcus. And the other one, if you remember the cinematic trailer, not the uh, gameplay trailer with Connor on the roof, but the, the woman that's talking, 
Kara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's the other. Those are three playable characters: Kara, Connor, and Marcus. And what you do with one character can change the outcome of what happens to another character. So again, it's all that choice. It's not just that scenario that's affected. It's things later on as well. So with the Marcus scenario, they played it out two or three different ways to show us some of the different ways it can go. Uh, as you saw in the trailer this year, Marcus and his partner in crime there, North, they're trying to do this robot revolution or android revolution. So they're going to the store where you can buy androids and they can activate them and sync them up so that they're joining the resistance. Like they can follow you now instead of being just the autonomous, someone's going to come and buy me. But you have to get there. You have to get to the store. You have to find the store. You have to deactivate the alarm system. You have to get safely inside, meaning you can either turn off the alarm system and pick the lock and go inside, or you can get a truck and ram through the shop front. And uh, there's so many ways you can go into the store. But you may not even get to the store at all. Well, the first way that they played through was, oh, there's some cops driving down the road, and we don't want to look suspicious, so, oh, crap, abort mission. And you can just leave that area without doing any of that, like, without deactivating security, without going into there, without talking to any of the androids. That's your mission, is to go get them. But you can abort the mission, and it's not game over. You just proceed, and the consequences of that action carry on going forward. So that playthrough of the scene took about two minutes, because it was just some conversation between the two of them, him deciding, no, let's bolt, we don't want to get caught, and her getting pissed off that he aborted the mission. And then the other one played out over like 10 or 15 minutes because it's doing all those things I said, you know, the deactivating the alarm and ramming into the front and activating all the androids and getting them to join your side. And once they've joined you, you can say, we need to tell the humans that we're not accepting this, we're not going to be their slaves anymore. And you can choose to do that in a violent or a passive way. And so you can tag graffiti and raise anarchy and destroy other things and tip vehicles and set things ablaze. And like the more things you do, however you act, the others will act as well because they're following you. So if you and your partner tip a car, the others will start tipping cars. If you throw a Molotov, then they'll all start trying to burn shit. Um, Likewise, if you just peaceful protests you know if you i'm not sure how the peaceful protests would play out because they didn't do it but that is an option you know the more good things you do the higher your good level the more bad things you do the higher your bad level and then you just have to live with those decisions going forward and what you do there again will affect the other two playable characters in their scenarios sounds sounds like i'm gonna play this game a lot how i played infamous Oh, yeah. I thought you were just saying you are going to play a lot. <laughs> oh, well, that too. But like how I played Infamous, I'm going to make all the evil decisions in one run through and all the good decisions in another. Yeah. It's kind of like Fable. It's kind of like Telltale Games, except like it just it makes the decisions in Telltale Games games uh, look so mundane. And this is coming from a pretty big Telltale fan. Like I usually love the games, but the weight of these decisions feels much more heavy. It feels like it's going to affect a lot more and it's actually going to matter a lot more. It's not just a, do you want to save this person or that person? It's, do you want to try saving them both? Do you want to let them both die? Do you want to just say, fuck it and go somewhere else and meet other people? (laughs) You know, it's got so many more options. That's awesome. I think it's really cool that you can totally abort that mission, skip it entirely and just keep going. 
Zach, so, how many playthroughs would you play to get all the possible or as many endings or routes until you're like, I, ah, I'm satisfied? It depends. It depends on the quality of game and, you know, how many achievements or trophies there are. <laughs> <laughs> Platinum yeah, trophy. You have to play it like 50 times over or something. I, I feel like just playing what I played at the show, I could play it through a couple times at least. That's so awesome. That definitely seems like it's got high replayability. That's good. I feel like games nowadays kind of lack in the replayability. On one hand, that's not bad because there's so many games releasing that you just want to beat a game once and move on to something else. But at the same time, I agree. It's nice to have variety. It's nice to, like, you can play a game once, play six other games, and then be like, oh, I want to play Detroit again. Let's play it a different way. And it's yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, I feel like I feel like with games that don't have that replayability like you're playing the same story like kingdom hearts i've played kingdom hearts like a thousand fucking times but it's the same story if somewhere like detroit uh you can play it 12 times and have 12 different outcomes that's fucking awesome yeah yeah and it sounds like there's gonna be a lot more than 12 (laughs) Uh, I, i just hope that it has several endings too because it would be really disappointing to have all these different I, I think that's kind of what people had with Mass Effect, right? Like, you could play Mass Effect that's however you wanted, happened. and then in 3, it was just the same ending no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And then they patched like, it. Being, starting to get so invested in Detroit, I can see now where people would have been upset at the all-inclusive ending. Zach. Yeah. Did you play Heavy Rain? No, but I want to. Yeah, you gotta go play Heavy Rain, dude. It's like the same, it's the same people. Yeah, yeah. There's like five different endings in heavy rain i think depending on what you do it just it sounds so similar to heavy rain if you have one of the main characters die part way through the story they're just dead and then the game keeps going mm. well i mean that sounds like a natural evolution of that which makes sense honestly yeah. I, i've tried to play heavy rain probably a little a, a lot later actually than when it came out and i couldn't really get into it oh it was like one of the first platinums that I've ever gotten. I played through it so many different ways to get every outcome. Um, it's like a murder mystery. So when you finish the game, you obviously know who the the killer is. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and play the game again from the beginning. And then purposefully orchestrate events so that the killer actually gets away in the end. And it's like the worst possible ending. But like really hard to get it's like the hardest ending to get because you have to know like all the the clues and everything the killer did so you can go back and kind of like fuck things up or like mess mess around with events so that he gets away in the end and it's like really crazy to get that ending. and it's sounds good detroit sounds good it does it it looks good i'm really i was kind of it was one of my uh top games of the show from last year with that trailer because i thought it looked really neat but since then i've just kind of forgotten about it so it was nice to see it back in such a strong capacity this year yeah yeah i feel like that happens a lot at e3 where they yeah. like release something and then it's all hype that one day and then like a few months later you bring it up to someone and they're like what's that you're like yeah the fuck do so you remember being so excited about it in june um yeah that actually happened to me with um the division oh yeah 
they hyped that shit up the first year, and then I didn't no, hear anything like about it for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it sounds like Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Except the fans don't let you forget about it. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> uh, so Stan asked about Vampire, and Chris asked about Detroit. Andy, what do you want to hear about? So, um... If you need to go through the list again, I will, just real quick. Um, I actually have the list here. Okay, so... so um, oh, right, the, you do. The one that I, I'm kind of interested in is Indivisible. Yeah? Yeah. That's funny, I had never heard of that before I went, but it was at one of the booths that I went to, so... Um, that's one of the few that I haven't written my notes down for, but I can, I'll remember as much as I can. Do you guys all know what it is? Andy, I assume you do. Yeah. Uh, I have no, no idea. idea. So it's it's like a side-scrolling RPG. Um, I don't know much about the story. I played a demo of it, and the demo like I didn't even finish a demo, and I was there for like 25 minutes. It was great. I was like killing time with it while I waited for another one, but I was pretty engrossed the whole time. It's the art style is I think the main the lead artist is like the same artist as Skullgirls to give yeah. you what it looks like. Oh, I know what this game is. Yeah, it was crowdfunded on Indiegogo. And yeah. if All you, you had to say was Skullgirls. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. If you supported <laughs> it on Indiegogo, then the demo build that they had at E3 is going to be the build that they're releasing to backers later this month. And it's really fun. It's It starts off with just her, and it's a, it starts off pretty tutorially. But once you get into it, like once you have four characters in battle, instead of like saying, oh, it's the main character's turn, attack, second player's turn, magic, whatever. Instead, their attacks are all linked to the four buttons on the right side of the PlayStation controller, so the X, square, triangle, and circle. And they're laid out in the battle in that format, like in a diamond shape. So the character on the bottom, you press X to attack. The character on the right, you press circle to attack, etc. Um, so you can kind of combo them. You can go, uh, after using them for a set amount of time, they'll gain more uh, attacks. In the demo build, they could max out three, but in the full game, they'll be able to go up to five attacks each. So the the once you've used an attack, it takes a moment of cooldown for it to come back. But you could either have one character go XXX, and they'll attack three times, or you could go X circle diamond, or X circle triangle triangle, and have three of them attack. Diamond's my favorite button. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I keep saying diamond because one of the people at that booth actually kept calling it diamond, and it's really annoying me. <laughs> like it's a triangle. It caught on now. Yeah, no, it's the just, diamond it's button me in my head. So it's a really—I've never played a game that assigns the characters to one button like that, and that was kind of interesting and neat. Um, and they've all got their own special abilities. I think the guy said that in the demo build there will be like six or eight characters you can find, but I only found three, which was fine because it's a party of four. Um, so there's me plus the other three. And they have different abilities and strengths. Like there's uh, one girl that I found uh, and a little pet that she has. Their names are Lemon and Ginger. And you know, a lot of the names are plays on words and related to other things. But she's like the healer. And when she attacks, she brings out like a mortar and pestle and stirs, stirs, stirs. And she does really weak damage because she's a healer. But the more times you attack, the more she'll stir. And then instead of using, uh, you can do other moves like, okay, she's assigned to X. So XXX does her normal attack and she'll stir her pot. 
But uh, if you want, on the left side of the controller, you can use the uh, the D-pad to do up attacks, down attacks, or left or right attacks. So uh, doing the up attack with her heals the party. If you just do it on the first turn, that she'll heal like 300 to everybody. But if you do a couple attacks and she stirs, 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 the more you stir, the stronger the healing. So the first stir might get her from 300 to 500. Second stir gets up to 1,000. Third stir gets up to 3,000. That's like a full heal. So it's, if you just need a quick heal, you can just do it then. But if you save up for a couple turns and then you just keep having her do her weak attacks, when someone's really close to death, you're all of a sudden right there and ready to That's fully heal. That's pretty interesting because so yeah. I find myself a lot with like RPGs where... I'll be like almost dead and I'm like, well, I know I heal this amount of damage, but the enemy deals greater that than that. So yeah. like I'm fucked. Yeah. So it was actually really interesting. And I think it had a layer of depth that I wasn't expecting. I mean, I de wasn't expecting anything because I didn't know about the game, but even just being familiar with JRPGs, it was unexpected and I liked it. And it's also important to use the up and down attacks with certain enemies because like some of them might have armor so like your standard straight on attack won't do anything but if you do an up attack she'll jump up and hit them from above and that'll do more damage mm. uh, so you just have to look at the enemy and you'll learn their strengths and weaknesses and you'll use your attacks accordingly also items you pick up will become weapons and also usable in the environment so like i found an axe at one point and now my player instead of just punching she's got an axe and she that she's slicing with in battle so obviously it's a bit stronger. But also in the environment when I'm scrolling from left to right, oh, there's a tree in my way, I can chop it down. But axes have other uses than just chopping down wood. Uh, like, oh, there's a cliff here that it's too high up, I can't jump to reach it. You can jump and press one of the triggers and she'll wedge the uh, axe into the side of the cliff. And you can just keep jumping and slapping, jumping and slamming, jumping and slamming. You can, like, climb walls by using your axe. That's so cool. And that's really awesome. Yeah, it's it's mm. very... It's got a lot of mechanics. They're introduced at a really good pace. It doesn't feel like a constant tutorial, but you're always learning new things. And, like, I felt like the entire 20, 25 minutes I was playing, there was, all like, every couple minutes there was something else I would find or learn. But again, it didn't feel cumbersome. It didn't feel like it was just a big, long tutorial. Um, so it was good. It was really well represented, I think. Speaking of of Skullgirls... Yes, Stanley? How was Skull and Bones? Another nice surprise. I hadn't seen the Xbox presentation when I went to the Ubisoft booth to uh, do my tour there. And so I didn't have any idea what Skull and Bones was. But uh, South Park was all booked up and I couldn't get in there. And um, that new horror VR one or whatever with Elijah Wood, that was all booked up, so I couldn't see that one. There were lots of them that were just, Ubisoft was crazy busy, so I just had to take what I could get. And one of the first ones there was Skull and Bones. Uh, I've heard a lot of people saying it's kind of like World of Warships, but I've never played World of Warships. Uh, it's never interested me. So I'm kind of glad I didn't know anything about it going in because I had a lot of fun with it. And if I heard it was about it was like World of Warships going in, I probably would have been like, eh, I'll pass. Um, but it was five v five battleships, basically. Um, the point, at least of the the mode that we played, the point was to escape 
with the most gold on your team, or like with your team having more gold than the other team. Uh, you start on opposite ends of the sea or ocean or whatever. There's like a, a space in the water where you're both, where your teams are both at. One's on this side, one's on that side. And in the middle are various neutral ships, and they all have small amounts of gold, like 100 or 150 or whatever. So you, if you can shoot down the ships in the middle, then uh, sail over their remains, you collect their gold. Uh, you could shoot them down and sail away, and someone else can collect the gold. You don't get the gold by destroying them. You get the gold by sailing over it. If someone uh, takes you down, then you drop all of your gold and it's in the water, and anyone can pick it up. The more people that you kill uh, without... No, that's a different game that's similar that I'm getting mixed up. But uh, the more you kill, the more gold you collect. And so the higher gold you have... Just like real life. The bigger target. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The more people you kill, the more gold you have. It's like GTA. Yeah, um, I need all the gold. <laughs> right? So, uh, but once you're a few... Uh, the, the matches are timed. I think they're like 10 minutes. And uh, so the first seven or eight minutes are spent battling each other, trying to take down the neutral ships, trying to take out the enemy ships to gain as much gold as you can. If you get destroyed, you respawn at uh, your side's spawning area. And you just have to catch up and try and take people down again. But uh, in the last few minutes of each round, pirates will start coming in from the edges, from the horizon, basically, and they come in pretty quick and pretty strong. Like, they've got pretty wide ranges of range of attack and they can attack from really far away as well um, at the, that point you want to escape you can still try and get gold if you want but if the time runs out and you haven't reached the end or the escape route then your gold doesn't count towards the total likewise once the pirates arrive if you get destroyed there's no respawning then so it adds a bit of urgency and a bit of uh uh excitement i guess because it's exciting throughout playing but it's just you know basically team kill or it's killing the other team so it's basically like any other shooter except you're on ships but then at the end when you can't respawn anymore then it becomes a whole different ball game in the first round i played i was actually leading both teams i had like 1200 gold or something in second place at 800 and our team overall was winning by 400 gold and i was like 900 meters away from the escape route, and that's pretty far. And I was just sailing, 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 going this way to dodge the pirate attacks, going that way to dodge the pirate attacks, just trying to boost my speed as much as I could. And like I'm shouting out to my teammates, 500 meters, 450, 400. Like it was a really good atmosphere. Like the whole team was just shouting to each other, telling, okay, it was really fun in that environment. Um, and I was about 150, 100 meters away, so close, and they killed me, and I lost my gold, and then they shot up to beating us by, like, 900, and we lost. No! I was upset, but it was, but it was so fun that I couldn't be too upset. And I think in that kind of setting, where you've got five people on one side and five people on the other, and everybody's shouting and getting so into it, that's really fun. But I think it'll be really a lot less interesting when you're just sitting in your living room playing with people online. Uh, it'll still probably be decent, but I think you really have to have the party atmosphere to... See, I feel like I feel like this is a type of game that I would play online, but with my asshole friends. So... Yeah, totally. 
And like if you've got your headphones set up and you're just talking to your team and you know your team and you're comfortable with them, I think that would be fine too. To be fair, I didn't know anyone else in the room and I still had a good time. And Zach, everyone, every, all your teammates have their own ships, right? Yeah. Because um, I was, yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. of a different game, um, which I highly recommend. Uh, it's called Gun of Icarus Online. And basically, it's like a 5v5 um, steampunk airship combat game. Uh, but you, you have one ship, and everyone on the team has a different role. Like, one's the pilot, one's the mechanic, and one's sure. like the gunner. So I was, uh, but I'm still really excited about this game. This sounds so much fun. Yeah, I did forget to mention there are like three or four different types of ships that you can choose, and when you respawn, you can change to a different one if you like. So it's oh, like that's the heavy. Cool. There's like the heavy that has high defense, um, but it's slow. Uh, so it's got a lot more. It can take a lot more hits before sinking, but it just it's tough to dodge attacks. Uh, then there's one that's kind of like a sniper ship where you've got really long range attacks so you can pick people off from afar But it's not likely that you're gonna pick up the gold So it's good to coordinate with your teammates to have someone else pick it up once you've destroyed the ships And then there's like the all-around which has got decent speed and uh, decent firepower But it's just like the middleman, you know And that oh that one's actually good for ramming so like if you want to ram into enemy ships it does a lot more damage and also, if you get close to an enemy ship while you're attacking them, you can board them. And it's like, hold down this button for a second and a half. And it, if you're close enough to them to board, they're close enough to you to board. So you, whichever player holds down the button first gets to board the other, and that's an instant takedown. And you pick up their gold. That's crazy. Yeah. That's I, I got a few uh, takedowns by boarding the enemy ships, and that was really fun. Like, you don't have to, you don't control the characters. It's just, you take down, and there's like a five-second cutscene of, your people attacking their ship and you winning. So. Now, Zach, now, Zach, the most important question, can yes. you summon sea monsters and a uh, force of the attack, like someone Krakens and then the other people ship? That'd be awesome. I, want, I need it. No. Please tell me yes, Zach. You cannot. <laughs> but you can make your own game that does that. Oh, okay. Chris, do you know what this reminds me of? A lot of our D&D scenario. <laughs> Also, I uh, got a free T-shirt from Skull and Bones, which is uh, probably the coolest T-shirt I got at the con. That's nice. awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I got that, like does three it have or four. On but... it? Does it shoot cannonballs? No, it's, it's a black T-shirt, and it's got like a gray, like dark gray uh, ship on it. So it's kind of difficult to make out the ship, but it's subtle. And then it's got like a lighter gray slash white, like stern on it or something. So it's 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 cool. Nice. It's a good shirt. I still wish it shot cannonballs, and you can use it to board and Chris, raid other Chris, t-shirts. you're ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I'm, it's, 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 I'm like way more tired than usual, so that's okay. It, it's free of free consciousness right now. It's great. It's I love you, Zach. Mario time. <laughs> so, do we want to go back to Stan and have another one of your choice, or should I pick one? Um, uh, let's let's hear one of yours. Um, let's talk about Moss. Yeah, it, to me, it, it looked like Mouse Guard, but it wasn't related to the Mouse, it, Mouse Guard is a, it's a, a comic book or graphic novel series where um, it follows like a tribe or like a, I guess like a clan or a tribe of mice or mice warriors. It ha- it's like, like small folk creatures like rats or rats and mice and cats, but it's, 
in a medieval setting. So the the, the mice like wear armor and they fight against like cats and other creatures and stuff. And it had a very mouse guard feel to it. And I was expecting it to be an adaptation, but then the title card came out. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's inspired by it or it was just a coincidence. Um, but I the, the looks of it looks really really awesome. Mm. Well, they didn't mention anything when I talked to the developers about it, um, about it being inspired by that, so I'm not sure. But I didn't mm. know that was a thing, so I didn't ask. Um, it was uh, one of my top five of show, and it was really fun. It was really cute, really adorable, really charming graphics. And I'm, I'm not a big VR guy, but I think part of that is because I don't get motion sick or dizzy or anything with it, but I just get so burnt out on almost every VR experience being you're in the boots of this soldier and you're shooting and firing from a first person perspective and you can see all your threat. Like it's all just first person shooters for the most part, whether you're a soldier or a ship or something. And it just, it seems like there's very little diversity in VR gaming and, uh, Moss and star child both were unique and drew my attention because they're side scrollers in VR. So Moss is a story of a mouse called Quill and Quill meets before the demo, uh, Quill meets this like forest spirit. You are the forest spirit. Uh, when you start the demo, they're already uh, friends. They already know each other. They've met, and you're in front of a body of water. So you can look down with the VR headset, and you'll look in the body of water and see your reflection. And it's like, it almost looks Miyazaki-ish, like Studio Ghibli type of spirit. Um, and that's what Quill sees. That's how Quill sees you. You're the forest spirit. And you're helping him along in his journey. Actually, I'm not sure if Quill is a boy or a girl. We're just calling him for now. You control Quill with the analog stick. And then, because uh, you've got the controller in your hand, it doesn't use the move controllers. So it's the usual dual shot. And with the right analog stick, you can move, uh, like, it's basically like your reticle or your cursor. And that you can use, like you as a spirit, are able to move things in the environment to help Quill get across. So it's a side-scrolling VR puzzle platformer. And it's supposed to make you feel like you're playing a book, reading a book. It starts off where you're in like a library cathedral place, and you have to use the cursor to open up a book. And you know that you can interact with it because when you hover the cursor over it, it starts glowing a nice, pretty blue. And so you pick up the cover of the book and you turn it and then you read a couple of pages of preface and then it takes you into the book and that's where you meet quill and they said one of the reasons why it's a left to right you know, a lot of platformers go left to right but this one's specifically designed in a way that it's like each new screen is like a new page of the book and uh it's really nice looking around in the vr environment because it's all very well crafted like, a lot of games that are VR, I've noticed, have, like, in the background, it's just kind of sloppy because it's in the background. But this, it's all pretty pretty sharp, pretty nice looking. And even the things that don't require your attention are worth looking at just because it's so pretty. The puzzles are really good. They're, uh, they make you think, but they're not impossible. There's one that I did that they're like, oh, my God, you got that so quickly. Like, it usually takes people several minutes and, like, me to help them. But then after that, I got totally stuck and they're like oh you just jump here I'm like well i feel stupid i solved that really <laughs> hard but then didn't jump um so it's, it's a good 
it's a good uh, difficulty curve, I think. You know, it's a bit of easy and a bit of challenging. And it's it's just a matter of taking your surroundings and looking. And you want to look at the surroundings, like I said, because it's just so gorgeous. The the demo ended when I entered a room and there's a big snaky boss, and it like pulled back and hissed, and then the screen went black. And it's like, oh, I hope the boss is okay. Snakes eat mice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was really fun. It was really good, and I I didn't have an appointment with them. I just was waiting for an appointment with another developer nearby. And I happened to see them there and just one person was playing it and there was no line. And I'm like, this is that game from the Sony conference. I'm totally going to play this. And it was, it was really cool. It was, it was good. And they gave me a little figure too. Oh, gasp. That's awesome. It's Free swag. The, too yeah, cool. no, it's some of the swag I got was awesome. Good so I, I, I honestly, I'm not a big VR guy, but I want to get a PSVR specifically for Moss and Starchild. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, uh, tell, uh, did you actually play a bit of Star Child? Because, like, I just yeah. remember seeing that giant mech. It's like, oh, I need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the freebie I got from Star Child was a pin of the, the robot. Yo. And it's really nice. Uh, but that one was a much shorter demo. It was mostly, it was, like, three rooms and one small puzzle. And then at the end, you get to the point in the trailer where the, the robot, you step on its hand and it picks you up. And it goes to the logo. So it was like a five to eight minute demo. But it was, again, it's side scroller. And that was cool. And you can like push your head forward with the headset. Instead of just looking around, you push it forward and you can like get close enough so that you're like face to face with your character who looks quite small when you're sitting back normally. But you can go right up like in the pathway that she walks and you can look her in the face or you can look down the path that she's about to walk. And there are like fireflies in this grassy area flying around and if you put your head in the way of the fireflies they'll all kind of go around your head and it's really cool to look at star child was more its demo was more uh what's the word not speculation a spectacle it was more spectacle than playing like you're just moving left to right and like i said there was one small puzzle but also, as you're progressing through the few screens, there's this big kind of alienish thing creeping around. Uh, it's kind of alien, kind of lizard thing that's obviously antagonistic. And, oops, sorry, sorry. All good. Um, it is a bit creepy and it's hiding in the shadows. And there's a bit where it's coming out, like it's just creeping around from a corner. And I kind of, like, I, because I had already looked around at the surroundings, I really wanted to get a look at it while I was sitting there. So I put my head in. I pushed my head forward to look at this alien creature. And then that's when the robot slams its hand down to protect the main character before the alien attacks her. And because my face was so close, the robot's hand slamming down made me, like, jump back. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> took by surprise and the developers were like you did exactly what we hope people will do like look <laughs> at the monster and then get taken aback by the robot so it was, it was I, d- I didn't even know but that's uh apparently what they aimed for so it was nice it was good that i was drawn in the way that the developers wanted me to be drawn in so it's still a long ways off that one doesn't have any type of release date it's not even like 2018 because it's so early in development, but I think it's got a lot of potential. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Awesome. What next? 
Um, a game that I actually had interest in, and I don't know, it's kind of after after Sony, I was kind of like iffy on it, but Days Gone. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Days Gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think with Days Gone, I was a little bit more optimistic about it because we got to see. At first, I was board. extremely hyped about it, but like I don't know, after the Sony conference, I was just like meh. Man. See, it's funny because last year when they announced it, I was like, okay, this looks so lame. And, like, why is this the highlight of their show? This is kind of dumb. And this year, seeing it made me a little more interested. Um, like, watching the trailer, I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. But then after, <laughs> right, Stan, we'll get to Far Cry 5. Uh, after the meeting I had with them to get more, more gameplay and more chat with them, I was actually less interested Days Gone was probably one of my biggest disappointments of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it see, it takes a lot of elements from a lot of games and puts them together. Like, it's got the whole, you've got binoculars and you can zoom in on enemies in an encampment and tag them, just like Far Cry. Like, it's even got the inverted triangle to mark them, like Far Cry. The inverted diamond, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the it's inverted sorry. diamond, which <laughs> still a dot. Um, and it's got, I had so many things that I thought at the time like it's got this that's oh like dying light you know the freaks come out at night they it's got the day and night system so and a weather system so they played the demo through a different way that it was the same demo that was shown at the sony conference but played in different weather sony conference it was just normal and in the demo that they played it was raining and so like when he's riding the bike the motorcycle uh the track is a lot slicker and you have less traction so he could fall off if you're going too fast or um you know, different zombies or different infected or whatever they're calling them in this game. Uh, you know, different time of day, different weather. They might be there. They might not. Like that big horde that he let loose on the camp in the that was shown in the demo or in the presser. Mm. That wasn't like that horde just wasn't even there in the uh, playthrough that he played for us because the weather was different and the time of day was different and those things affect it. So it's it's interesting that it can be a different gameplay experience depending on what the weather and time of day are. But it's kind of like Dying Light as well, where a lot more dangerous creatures are out at night. And so you can go out at night because you're going to be safe from the... You're going to be covered by darkness instead of being out in the open and in the sunlight. But at the same time, you're going to have to fend off much more difficult creatures. So it felt like it grabbed a lot of good concepts from other games and put them in one. Mm. But at the same time, it didn't really impress me. I think I'm kind of over the whole third-person zombie game, zombie shooter. Me too. I mean, I, I, I don't... I, as long ahead. as they can continue to make Resident Evil games, I will never be <laughs> over that. Oh, Resident Evil's different than this, though. That's fair, but that's in a series where you come to expect it. It's in a franchise, an established franchise, where that's what you want from that. But that's a new, a brand-new IP trying to make a name for itself using generic implements from other game, other games... Eh, like I asked them at the end of our appointment, they just asked everybody for rent for all around Q and a. And the question I asked them was like, Oh, another thing is they've got like Batman, Arkham Asylum, bat vision. Like he's a tracker, you know, like in the walking dead, he's a tracker. So he can, or Lara Croft and tomb Raider games. You know, he can use this vision to, for a brief moment, see things that he can interact with or pick up a blood trail or something like that. And so I said, you know, you've got, like, the Bat Vision, and you've got the Far Cry tracking, and you've got this and that. What is unique to your game? 
What did do they you immediately think? like eject you from? No, I, I I was like the last question, and every time while everybody else was asking theirs, I was like, "How do I phrase this to not sound like a complete dick?" So I think I did it okay. But this is the sentiment I was getting across: is what's new and unique to your game? What are you bringing to the table that's fresh? And um, basically, what they said was the motorcycle. And I was like, "Ah, yes, the unique vehicle never seen before in a video game." I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued in the sense that they said it is as much a character as the main guy, Deacon. And, so um, it talks. The motorcycle uh, talks to you. I want to hey, also yeah, let it be known that Arkham Knight has yeah. also made the Batmobile a separate character than Batman. Yeah. And it did not play out well for that game. Well, I mean, the Batmobile... The Batman this one's got being a character because like he can call it and you know maybe it's gonna be like an AI and it'll have its own kind of interactions with Batman. They could do that in that universe. Uh, this is like a very realistic setting, I think. And I feel yeah, like it's like uh, it's I like a know. mechanical Epona. You know, you whistle for and the motorcycle <laughs> comes down the hill. And, like, <laughs> you can like name it and like it's oh. voiced by Kevin Conroy and. <laughs> Yes. We're not ready to talk about the specifics yet, but you will be able to probably up like they they didn't say you'll be able to upgrade it, but they said if you look at last year's trailer and this year's trailer, the motorcycle looks different, and that's not just a design change. I don't know why they didn't just say you can upgrade it because that'd be a lot easier way to say it. But Zach, uh, guys, what? we can introduce fast Zach. cannibal and have the motorcycle cannibalize other no. motorcycles. Chris, Shh. Zach, yes, can you romance your motorcycle? I mean, can, you, can you take your bike on on a date? Have you guys seen oh Kino's journey? Oh my yeah. god, I figured out the plot twist of the game. What? Him and the motorcycle are lovers. Oh my god. Your motorcycle. <laughs> Romanceable vehicles. This is have why it's unique. Seen... That's why you never seen it before, the motorcycle. Have any of you seen the anime Kino's Journey? Yes, I love Kino's Journey oh. so much. It's so that... good. The motorcycle is a character. It talks, and it's got a personality, and it's really well done. Like it sounds campy, but it's a good relationship that Kino and her motorcycle have. In <laughs> this, it's a, it's not an anime. It's not, it's a real world type of thing. I don't understand. Like, the I real understand. world is weird, not just anime. I know, but Days Gone should be taken over I by Nikai Bando. Really underwhelming when I said, "What are you bringing to the table?" and they said, "The motorcycle." I thought that was pretty. Uh, come on. So Days Gone was a bit of a letdown for me. I think it's still got potential because I'm an optimist and I like to see the good in everything. <laughs> but I, it's not something I'm planning on picking up, at least not immediately. I'll probably wait for like a Xbox Games with Gold freebie, two years down the line, which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement. <laughs> so R.I.P. Days Gone before you even was for born. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was my my expectation was like Andy, you were let down in this. However, it's gonna be fucking awesome. But now I'm just like, now I don't really need this Bummer. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I started off saying last year I didn't care, and this year it's like, yeah, okay. But then, yeah, so then it's like, oh yeah, so it's gonna be good. No. Yeah. So speaking of elements, it takes like the Far Cry tracking. Let's move on to Far Cry Five. Oh, smooth transition. What up? Speaking of motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> Montana. Uh, Far Cry 5 has new vehicles, too. 
What are, but can you rom- are they romanceable? I mean, one of them looks like Optimus Prime. <laughs> I'll take it. They actually refer to it. It's like a big rig. You know, the the, the drivable part of a semi. It didn't have the back on it, but it had. It was just the cabin, basically, and you could uh, drive that. And it has a little Voss bubble head on the dash from Far Cry 3. And that was pretty cool. Oh, can, nice. can you use it? Can you use it to call more Autobots? And like, no. yeah, is Peter Cullen but part of the voice cast? It's all done. <laughs> like, it's all painted with uh, blue and red flames. So it, it it's definitely Optimus Prime inspired. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool. How many uh, of the vehicles are secret Nazis? That's a good question. This isn't Wolfenstein though. Oh, this I is- look so excited for Wolfenstein. Yeah, I, all I saw from that was the the trailer that they played. So well, none of those Nazis in Wolfenstein are secret. Oh, but um, 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 yeah. One of the other, there were two new vehicles that I uh, was able to drive or pilot in Far Cry Five. There's the big rig and there's a plane. You know, they've had things like the the little mini choppers and stuff in previous games, but uh, this has like an actual plane where you can do dogfights with other enemy planes. Oh, and that was pretty really fun. Cool. Yeah. Like As the, you the do in Montana. Right? Yeah. Um, if this is what goes on in Montana, we need to live there. <laughs> Nobody talks about Montana. It's a very well-kept secret. No, it's like the, the main mission that you have. It's, it's interesting because I played Far Cry 5 two times throughout the week. They had it on display at the pre-Sony event before Sony's press conference. And I played it there because it's like, oh, I love Far Cry 4. Let's go to Far Cry 5. And I was super underwhelmed by that because the extent of the demo was choose an ally and liberate this outpost. And if you're familiar with Far Cry, liberating an outpost is like 50% of the game. There's always another outpost to liberate. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is what they're choosing to show off is liberating a fucking outpost, which we do all the time and have come to expect. Like, I know there's going to be outposts liberating in this game. Why is this what you chose to focus on? Yeah, but this time it's like a gas station. It's like well, a I diner. Mean, <laughs> was that a 7-Eleven. There were three allies you could choose to play with uh, for the demo. So you're the, you're the main guy, and your ally choices are a man who's like kind of all around like you. You know, He's just going to run around and shoot things. Or there's a sniper woman who you can, you can direct these people and tell them where you want them to go and what you want, want them to do. Um, so there's a, like a water tower nearby where you spawn so you can direct her up there and have her pick off the enemies for you, uh, while you creep around from the side. And the third one was a dog and the dog can go maul enemies or pick up items and bring them back to you. Obviously the dog is what you chose. And, uh, well, the question I asked them was if I choose the dog, can they kill it? Because I don't want to choose the dog. Then. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty standard. Like, they can knock it out just like they can knock out the people, but you can go up like they're incapacitated and you can go up and revive them. So like dog so, meat. I mean, I haven't played Fallout 4 yet, but I assume so. Hmm. <laughs> Another game that I've owned for a year and haven't played yet. Uh, so that was like the main new thing. And I was really underwhelmed because I'm like, again, outpost liberating while boring. But then when I actually checked it out at the Ubisoft booth, it was like three times as long. It was the outpost liberation and then talk to the woman in the bar of this outpost because you've liberated it. She's got a quest for you. Okay, you have to go down the road and find this guy at his barn. And he'll send you on a way, on your way to go 
destroy these. Uh, you, you get to take his plane and go destroy these silos around that are, are that are being taken over by the bad guys or whatever. So, but on your way to the uh, plane, there's a dock and you can stop and go fishing if you like. And <laughs> love the fishing side class. <laughs> yeah, this is like liberate this outpost. Hold uh, on, fishing. I, yeah. I just heard you, Zach. I I heard you say, it, and there was a duck. It's like, holy shit, what's, what's this duck doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quack, quack, quack. Ducks, the duck is actually the sniper character. Yes. Uh, I feel like I feel like Chris Dominic. expected the duck to be like rigged with explosives. Oh hell yeah! It, it just Kamikaze it, like, it, it like flaps his wings and like a machine guns come out. <laughs> Man, I wish Donald was like thinking hard. <laughs> did, did you ever watch um regular show? I love regular show. Yes, the ducks the that fun, transform, the like ducks that turn. Yeah, step off explosion. <laughs> I need that. That's really Yeah. So tell me more about this fishing. It's actually I love hate relationship with it because so many fishing mini games are either impossibly difficult. Or ridiculously easy, and this was a this difficult. was kind of in between. It was it was more difficult. It was more of a challenge, but I didn't get overly frustrated with it. So, um, like on on the scale between Noctis and Big the Cat, like where do you <laughs> fall on that spectrum? Uh, oh, what a comparison! Probably closer to Noctis. Uh, I don't like, know if that's a good thing. Or not. What do you think uh, about that Final Fantasy VR fishing game? I didn't get a chance to try it out, but oh, no. when, when they've started showing the Final Fantasy 15 universe logo in the VR section of their showcase, I was like, oh, they're actually going to go more into the FF15 VR that they announced last year that they haven't spoken about since. Like the, you're prompto and you go on a date with Cindy or you take pictures or whatever. Like, I thought they're finally going to go back to that and say, hey, this is still a thing. Nope, it's VR fishing. And you're like, what are the guys now? And then, weird. <laughs> and then you, you get attacked by a giant like mutant barracuda or something like that. Yeah, like what? <laughs> I don't know. I seems like so superfluous. I'm so over Final Fantasy 15. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Yeah, yeah. And then instead so, of a day with Cindy, Prompto has his own DLC where you play like a Metal Gear Solid clone yeah, game, right? pretty much. Right, yeah. like stealth and shooting and. Surprisingly, I haven't actually watched that trailer yet. I've just seen people talk about it. But um, so back to Far Cry Fishing. There's it's difficult because there's no reticles or meters or anything. It's just you throw the line out. It's kind of like fly fishing because you kind of whip the line back and forth and then you take it out. And the longer you hold X to whip it, then the further out it'll go. Um, and I if, love holding X to whip it. Right. I don't know. I kind of like holding X to pay respects. Press diamond to call your motorcycle. <laughs> so, uh, it's so you, you, there's no radical to say this is how far out you're going to throw. You just kind of have to time it and hope that you've aimed well. Uh, you can see where there are fish because there are some bubbles coming up from the water. But again, there's not like an obvious indication. You just kind of have to keep a close eye and look out. And it's kind of like other fishing games where when you really get in, you have to pull it to the opposite way of what the fish is swimming direction to reel it in. But again, it doesn't have like a tension bar or anything. You just have to kind of 
it's it's the most like real fishing I've played in a video game, I think, because there are no meters and you just have to use your best judgment. So whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess will be seen. But after three snap lines, I finally reeled in a trout and it gave me a good sense of accomplishment because I failed, 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 and then succeeded. So take that as you will. Can you use the fish as like traps, like for the enemies, like Home Alone style, like make them slip sure. and fall? On I'm the... not sure. You could you could probably use it for like um, killing other animals and stuff. How by throwing it at them? Well, I would <laughs> guess I would guess like set it up as a trap to lure, oh, like like bait. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just thinking okay. like lining like a street with like slippery fish and they just charge at you and they just like start slipping all over the place. Like Jackie Chan and be thugs up with a pair of like trout. Like, yeah. No, you, you guys are thinking it all wrong. Um, you have to do what Stan said, like set the trout in the street, but you have to set it so that they slip into a line of dynamite. Oh, or you okay. put the dynamite in the fish. Um, no, I, I was kind of thinking. You <laughs> and then you like... put them back in the in the lakes, like when they go fishing. They it's a remote detonator. I was more thinking it'd probably be like typical Far Cry fair, where you could probably like use it for upgrading things. Like uh, I, I killed a couple wolves on the way, and I was able to skin there. Uh, As you do in helps. Montana. Yeah. Right. So I, I imagine that you'll either, there will either be some sort of mechanic where you can eat them or um, use them for upgrades. Is there a radio yes. in that game? There like is. You're dri- you're in the big around? rig, actually, good question. In the uh, big rig, when I was driving it, there was music playing on the radio. You can turn the radio on or off. You can change stations. I didn't notice any recognizable songs like in no GTA or something. But, uh, but yeah, there are radios and you can change stations. I did not hear Robbie Ray Rava either. Did anybody really? play Far Cry 4? Uh, I have not played a Far Cry game since Far Cry 2. Really? I, I haven't played one since like 3 and Blood Dragon. Uh, the, totally, I just the only started one I've ever playing played. Far Cry 4 like okay. a few weeks ago. So um, Have you met Robbie Ray? No. He's like the radio personality. You meet him and he gives mm-hmm. you side quests and... Uh, He's just one of those people you get side quests from, but he's he's fun to listen to on the radio. He's a good personality. Rabbit Red Rava! And yeah. <laughs> Yay, D-Cuts! So, I love making references that nobody understands. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, but the, the dogfight was a combination of fun and frustrating, uh, but I think the frustrating part isn't going to be frustrating in the full game. It was because we kept spinning around each other. Like I'd try and go left and he was going the same way. So we weren't actually getting each other's line of sight. We were just flying around and around. And then when I tried to go far enough to turn around and actually get to him, I started leaving the play area or the demo area. So while you're in the air, like when you're on the ground, it feels like a nice big open demo area. But when you're in the air, you're going a lot further, a lot quicker. And it just didn't feel very big because I kept hitting that edge of the world, the invisible wall. So to say, oh, that's that's why we never hear about these dog fights in Montana because the invisible walls. Oh, darn it! It makes sense now. It's like the mascara. You just—it's not on the map till you stumble <sighs> into it. So, so that was frustrating because that kept happening. But again, I feel like in the full game that won't be nearly as big a problem because it'll be a much bigger open area. Aside from that, the dog fight was really fun. You've got three ways you can attack. Uh, one trigger shoots like the 
the mounted gun. The other trigger shoots rockets, and then you can uh, hold another button to look directly below you and drop bombs. That's pretty dope. Yeah, so the the dogfights, I think, are going to be a highlight of Far Cry 5. And that was the full, after the dogfight, after you win that, then uh, that's the end of that demo. And that was so much more satisfying than just an outpost. Like, if people on the show floor, like, just common public who were playing Far Cry 5, if they were just doing the outpost, uh, that's so disappointing because they're not getting a good representation of the game at all to me. But um, You can't even fish. The rest of it was much more fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's good. Nice. It, it feels very much like... It certainly is a Far Cry game, you know? It's got all the staples of it. it uh, but it does feel like the new things they're bringing are worthwhile excellent oh i forget was there a release date for far cry 5 yes what would you say stan it's like 2018 right something like that no i think it's like everything else i thought i I thought it was this year i thought i want to say it was like november 2017 yeah i was thinking october november yeah let's look it up far cry 5 release date google Um... oh february 27 2018 yeah, you all uh, owe me five uh, bucks. 2018. I don't owe you shit. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you the satisfaction of saying you were right, Stanley. Always. <sighs> all right. Speaking of pressing diamond, any last words about your experience before we move on to the show Probably. in general, and then go home, and then go to bed? <laughs> um. I'll, I'll touch on what I said earlier about it being better than I expected and worse than I expected. When I, going in, because I was the only person from my outlet that could go, and it being my first year, I was really kind of nervous about all these appointments I had because I had no idea how to go about them, what they were going to be like. Uh, i never been to E3 before, the biggest convention I've ever been to, so I didn't know if it was going to be overwhelming, if I was going to be able to do what I wanted, or if it was just going to all be work, 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 work. There's just so much unknown, and I was really kind of nervous before it happened. Uh, but then after my first appointment, which was with Activision to check out uh, Spyro, Spyro, Crash, no Spyro, <laughs> sorry. Is this, is this a, world is exclusive? This a world exclusive. <laughs> just in my mind. <laughs> I didn't sign any NDAs. I didn't see Console any launch exclusive. Right? How great would that be? Um... <laughs> But Activision to check out Call of Duty World War Two and uh, Spy. <laughs> Did it again? World premiere. We have a lot of collection, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Crash and Sane collection. I checked out those two things with Activision. That was my first appointment. They both went really well. It was just so chill. Um, it's, the only, it's the first time I've signed an NDA, which is kind of exciting. But that just helped set the stage for the rest of the week because I was much more relaxed and much more confident and much less worried. Um, so it was a lot better in that regard because I, I was able to make all but one of my appointments. And the only appointment I didn't make is because I checked my emails and they never told me where they were. Uh, so I didn't know what hall or booth to look for them in. So that's not my fault. But aside from that, I made every appointment on time with no problems. And everybody was so super helpful. <clears throat> And I got to play a lot of games, and I got to meet a lot of devs, and it was really fun. So it was a lot better than I was expecting. But it was also worse than I was expecting because I didn't get to do much of the things I really wanted to do. Since I wrote for a PlayStation-centric website, 
I didn't go in the Xbox booth at all. I w- had some time to look around the Nintendo booth and take some pictures at the like Mario City that they made in their area. But uh, I didn't get to play any games because the Nintendo lines were massively long. And I never had a gap of time in between meetings that was long enough to stand through one line. I tried twice, actually. I tried for Mario Odyssey twice. And both times I was like, I've got five minutes to my next meeting, and I, there's still three people in line ahead of me. I have to go. So it was a bit of a bummer that I didn't get to do any Nintendo stuff. But uh, the other disappointment was, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I had it just a minute ago. What was the other disappointment, guys? Uh, Besides Days Gone. Uh, <laughs> lots of people. No, see, I didn't care about that because it was my first E3, and so it was, it wasn't different to me. It was just, it was my first E3. So now, if next year I went and they didn't have public admission, then I would probably think this is so much better than last year. Last year sucked, but I don't have anything to compare it to. So it was just the normal for me. You were disappointed because you didn't get any of those cool, like, yes, I was at E3 2017 t-shirts. Oh, my God. I actually looked at the E3 official merch booth to see if there was anything. Because I I wanted to get an E3 shirt to commemorate it. And they were just all god awful. You didn't you didn't get the yes, I I was at E3. (laughs) (laughs) Or the one that says awesome gamer with an arrow pointing to yourself. Yeah. Wow. The laziest t-shirt ever. I saw someone on Twitter say that they would love that shirt so much more if the arrow was pointing down. It's like <laughs> uh, it, it reminds me of those like stupid Facebook T-shirt ads you see all the I time. Like, like only a true legend born in March who likes Legend of Zelda will b- want this shirt. The kind of thing that if your mom played games, she would post that with a picture of a minion. <laughs> awesome uh, gamer. <laughs> um, I remember why I was disappointed. It was because. The showcases I went to were so disappointing. The last two, three years, Sony has knocked it out of the park. Like, they've had the best conferences. And this year, the only two I went to were Bethesda and and Sony. And Sony's, they were great because it was trailer, 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 trailer. Here's a guy from Sony to introduce something. Trailer, 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 trailer. Here's that guy again for one minute. Trailer, 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 trailer at the end. It was just game trailers. Back to back to back to back, and that was awesome, and I love that. But every single one of them, save for one or two, was vague 2018 release date. There was mm-hmm. nothing that is coming out soon or with a specific date. It was all just vague 2018, and there was barely anything new. The most exciting things were Shadow of the Colossus, which we've already played on PS2 and PS3, Yes, mm-hmm. it's coming to PS4. It's a remake. It's going to be so much more beautiful. It's going to be awesome and totally worth playing again. But we've played it on the last two Sony consoles. You know what would make a remake for Shadow of the Colossus replayable what? and viable again? Is yeah. if they add in all those Colossi they cut initially. Yeah. Like yeah, those eight or something cool. Colossi. That was like supposed director's to be... cut version or something. Yeah, if they added those in, totally buy it. But if it's make just it, a, like, a one-to-one... Like I've, like you said, I've already played it twice. Exactly. Like I don't need, I don't need it a third time, even if it looks prettier. Yeah, mm. but um, and then there was, like, what, what did they close with? I uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And like, yeah. there were so many games that we already knew about that were introduced last year. I think the new yeah. ones were Monster Hunter World, which looks pretty fun. 
mm-hmm. and uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake, and some of the PSVR and indie titles. Yeah. And I, I can't know. remember what else was new. But, like, yeah. there's no Red Dead Redemption 2. There's no Final Fantasy VII remake in the 20th anniversary year. People are yeah. expecting that that'll be at TGS, but I still feel like it would have been great to see it at E3. It, it was weird. Uh, I was reading an article. It seemed like a cheap, like, oh, yeah, it's it, this was totally planned. But, like, Shuhei, Shuhei Yoshida was saying, uh, yeah, more of our console exclusive reveals will be at, uh, reveal at a later time. So, presumably, PS, PSX. But it's like, why yeah. wait until PSX? Wait. PSX is yeah. December. Like, no, of course they're going to have they had such strong showings the last couple of E3s. I was, I had such high expectations, and so the, the presentation was such a letdown for me. Like I said, I love those, just nonstop trailers, and no bullshitting and no, cringeworthy scripted, skits or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but it was just, it was just, a letdown. Mm-hmm. Aside from the games that we know about, it just there wasn't much new to get excited about. I don't know. I was, I was, I was just like, oh, and it's in terms of of E three in general. I I felt like I saw more generic coming in twenty eighteen release dates than actual release dates for twenty seventeen. Yes, yeah, that's very true. It's it's like, oh well, what am I supposed to get excited about? I mean, uh, it's like okay. Well, that's what that's what I felt like throughout all of E three this year. It just seemed yeah. like a lot and that's, of just like not. I wasn't like overly. The thing that I got the most hyped for was Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh, show. And that's like a big 2018. But I'll wait for that big 2018. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of good looking games that I'm really excited for that are 2018. It's just yeah. disappointing that there's nothing more. Where's specific. Where's my 2017 games? Uh, they came. I mean, they came out already in January. Yeah, your March. 2017 games are with Bethesda, and let's move on to their conference. Is they, I also had a love-hate relationship with their conference. Uh, I liked the setup. The Bethesda Land presentation was fun. And if you're at the event, it was really cool because their whole uh, pre-press event or pre-press conference area was made up like a carnival. Like they had a Ferris wheel that you could ride. They had cotton candy and popcorn and pretzels. And uh, they like everything that they had there because it was a press event was uh, free. So like... You know when Fallout 4 came out and they had the Nuka-Cola Quantum Jones Soda that yeah. sold out because mm-hmm. scalpers are dicks? They mm-hmm. had bottles of that that they were giving out. So I've got an unopened bottle of that right here in my room with me. Nice. Uh, for free. They gave out Elder Scrolls like beer steins that are like a decent quality with Elder Scrolls uh, inscribed on it. Uh, they gave out the pins. You know, they had eight pins that you could collect by going to do different things in there setup and you know for each of the games they had like a vault boy one and they had a doom one and evil within and they had eight different pins for eight different games of theirs whether they're already out or upcoming and it was it was a really awesome setup they had you know they had like dishonored themed alcoholic cocktails and they had uh grilled corn on the cob with it's just they had the menu items they had were all based on their games. It was such a cool setup. Like I talked to someone in a line there that said they were there for like they've been to the E three seven years and they've never seen anything like this. And it was really awesome. Um, a caricature. I got a really cool caricature. If you guys saw me post on Facebook or Twitter recently, I, like go to a theme park and pay twenty bucks for a caricature. They just had three caricature artists doing it for free. And That's it was so cool. 
such a great setup. And they killed it with release dates because everything they showed was dated specifically, and it's all out in 2017. The, even the new games, uh, Evil Within 2 and Wolfenstein 2, those are both coming out within like four months or five yeah. months or, or something. Wolfenstein's like in October or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's four months away. And that's awesome. Like, I loved that everything they had, even if it was an underwhelming card game or something, like, it was still dated, and people know that they can get it this year, and they're hyped. It's just that the content they had was kind of eh. You know, it's, I mean, oh, here's, here's... It was stuff that we already knew about, like, the Fallout VR. Skyrim released on the 20th system, uh, and we already knew about it. And, yeah, the Fallout VR, <laughs> the VR, and... I wonder, I wonder how many years in a row Skyrim has been at E3. <laughs> <laughs> like, showing off. Years running. Some... Probably as many as Minecraft, if not more. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And like, Evil Within 2 is the worst kept secret, but it still looks like a good game. And it's exciting to see it. That and Wolfenstein, I think, both looked really fun. But most of the rest of the show, I think, was pretty forgettable. I don't remember much of what they showed. I just that's didn't fun. like how short Bethesda's conference this year was compared to, like, last year's. Sure. It's almost I mean, like, didn't... why don't you... Like, I thought Sony's was short, too. Like... I had two hours booked for Sony's conference. Uh, Xboxes, when I brought up on YouTube, it was an hour and 45 minutes. So it's close to two hours. Sony was like an hour 15 or an hour 20 or something. Like, why don't you just, Bethesda, why don't you just take your trailers and wedge them into Bethesda segments in Sony and Microsoft's and Nintendo's? You know, have the Skyrim or the, yes, yeah, Skyrim for Switch with the Link Amiibo compatibility. Why don't you have that in the Nintendo? lineup you know i don't know it just feels like they didn't need their press conference this year i'm so glad they did because bethesda land was the shit but the conference itself was lackluster so that's why the show was worse than i was expecting because i was so hyped up to go to these press conferences and see them live and have the excited crowd reaction and people were excited but it definitely wasn't the losing your shit crazy awesome new see if you would have yeah if you would have went to like fucking last year's e3 that's where but, you would have saw the yeah last year when ship. spider-man was announced and last of us 2 was announced and there's something else announced um, fallout but, fallout 4 and... no that was a couple years ago oh no that was a few years 2015 ago, yeah. 2015 had fallout 4 reveal and saying that's out in six months we haven't talked about it ever before and that's out in six months yeah and that yeah. had final fantasy 7 remake and that had shenmue 3 and the last guardian and like 2015 was the year to be there um, last year was still solid. It wasn't as good as last year, but it was still really good. And then this year was just, eh. Yeah. Like and it's, the it's biggest announcement I Nintendo... heard from Microsoft was Life is Strange. The biggest announcement I heard from Ubisoft was Beyond Good and Evil Two, which has since been said is at zero or day zero of production. Like, I feel like I feel like that on. always happens with E3s in between of a new system's lifespan. Yeah. Like we got new systems, the Pro and and the Xbox One X. The, you mean the box. Xbox? The X B O X. Like when we're when we're in between gens, like this is this is the moment where E three kind of gets iffy, and then in the beginning of a new gen, that's where it's all hype for like yeah, the next like, three years. I mean, yeah. we can get into this, but I, I'm not entirely certain that we're going to have like a major new gen. If they're going to keep doing these like 
incremental upgrades. Oh, yeah. they, they've done the half upgrades for ages now. Like Nintendo never does a half upgrade. They had the Wii and they had the Wii U and they've got the Switch. But like the Xbox went through three iterations. The PS2 went through multiple iterations. No, the but PS3 they went through like they went through pieces. like um, they didn't go through hardware revisions. They went they got smaller. But like oh, the, the, the One X, X and the Pro Xbox are like went through a hardware revision halfway through. Like they had the big uh, long white bricks and then they changed them to the black sleeker ones. They weren't. It wasn't like an Xbox small. It was. It had upgrade stuff in it. Like yeah, it but had like it's not. It, it wasn't like graphically. More, it doesn't wasn't putting shit out in like 4K. It wasn't like, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed like, so. But they they were worth the upgrade. It was like the 3DS to the 3DS Excel or the the DS to the DS Lite type of thing. Like it was a couple minor improvements that made it all around better. But you're right. It wasn't as big a improvement as the PS4 Pro or the I Xbox mean, One. From from the explanation for the PS um uh, the Xbox One X. That is supposed to be like Microsoft's last console. That that was original rumors sure. back when it was like Project Scorpio. Yeah. So that's understandable. However, the PS4 Pro, the only really upgrade for that is like it's 4K compatible and it's better for VR. Other than that, it's the same shit. Sure. And it still. I mean, doesn't... it's got HDR. It's it's got you know it's. It's an improvement on the. I mean, it's not like a PS5. But what I'm saying is that they're gonna keep doing these iterative consoles where they go half step, half step. It's not gonna be like sure PS3 to PS4, PS2 to PS3. It's not gonna be like a huge. You know that, jump that anymore. actually makes a lot of sense, especially for Microsoft, because with how much time and money and energy they're dedicating to make backwards compatibility work, it would suck to have years and years of a xbox and xbox 360 back catalog playable on the xbox one only to bring out the xbox 4000 yeah uh, and have to make everything backwards compatible again on the new system that was also another like huge reveal which was very underwhelming for xbox when they said that like the xbox one was going to get backwards compatibility for xbox no that was the biggest reveal that was the most exciting one they announced that Back when they announced that they were working on Project Scorpio, so we knew it was happening. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, they said that Project Scorpio was gonna be like the final Xbox console, and that it was gonna play from Xbox to Xbox One games. Interesting. So from there, you can just assume that like they were just gonna make all Xbox games backwards compatible. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's a big selling point, but like. With the reveal of the new Xbox, I felt like I didn't really feel any huge joy or or, or sudden well of inspiration to get an Xbox. And the name uh, is Xbox. Yeah, it, it, it's it's weird. And like they released like like they they announced like forty four games, twenty two of which are like supposedly console exclusive games. But I just didn't feel the hype. Like I yeah. felt it's like it's like what was it, like Sea of Thieves. Was like Xbox One exclusive, and I don't I don't remember. But like most of the other stuff they they teased during the press conference were, were Xbox One launch exclusive, but only at launch. World that premiere. means they're eventually going to come later to other consoles. Um, so. Yeah. See, I thought that was such a weird way to to word it, like Xbox One launch exclusive. I'm like, the Xbox One launched like three years ago. It's not a launch exclusive, but I I know it means like the game is launching an exclusive. It's a timed exclusive. Why don't you just say timed exclusive? That because, makes so much more sense. Because that 
gives the illusion that um it's not actually exclusive yeah so like i remember it's PR this speak. i remember this yeah, I know. It's back PR when they speak. announced um back when they announced rise of the tomb raider yeah and like i remember when they first announced it the way that they worded it made it sound like it was going to be an xbox one exclusive game sure. and i had to like do digging into that and apparently because of the way that they phrased the sentence there was a certain comma in the sentence that made the sentence mean that it was like a timed exclusive and i was like why not just fucking say that exactly like and, because then and people, people are gonna be like people hated the ambiguity of that people didn't know for a long time like is it xbox exclusive or is it xbox timed exclusive just tell us that it's it's like the final fantasy 7 remake reveal trailer when it says at the end play it first on playstation 4 it has only to this day been confirmed for ps4 but when it says play it first on playstation 4 that insinuates that it's going to come to something else whether that's xbox one or whether that's switch or whether that's the nintendo classic (laughs) (laughs) uh you know it's 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 going to be on something else otherwise they wouldn't have said play it first on ps4 i just I don't care right about now is... exclusivity. I just hate the PR bullshit speed. Just cut it clear and dry for us. All I'm hearing right now is that nobody seems to be excited to run out and buy this $499 console. I've already got an Xbox One. Know. I don't need the new one. It's uh, like yeah. the PS4 Pro came out and I got a PS4 Slim because that's all I needed. I have my original PS4. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have my Arkham. Ain't good. Nice, I have my nice. launch PS4 still, so. I got my Arkham PS4, and then I, I got the external hard drive, because 4.5 firmware, thank you, external hard drive support, so I'm all, I'm all good on that. I all right. I really you, wanted the Vader PS4. You know my biggest disappointment of E3? Mm, no Spyro? I never played it. I never touched a Switch. No. I still to this day have not touched a Switch. I don't own one. I haven't played like I haven't seen one for demo stations at a store or anything. Come to New York, I, Zach. I was really crossing my fingers that like uh, I just bump into someone playing it on the show floor. Like they brought theirs with them to play some Mario Kart while they're waiting in line or something. But that's I didn't what see I would have done. I would Zach, too. Zach, you still have absolutely. a chance. Maybe someone on the plane is playing a Switch. You just ask them to borrow theirs yeah, for a maybe. second. Watch, watch it be the person sitting right next to you. I would <laughs> my shit, and I wouldn't get any writing done that whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it only has like three to four hour battery life, so. Long-haul flights often have uh, ways that you can plug in. Yeah. Oh. Maybe they had like Splatoon 2 or some game where each of you could share a controller and then... I mean, Splatoon 2's not out yet, so I'd be really impressed. Armed. (laughs) (laughs) They smuggled it out of E3. I'm not even interested in ARMS, but if they had it on the plane, I would play it. (laughs) Speaking of the Switch, why don't we close out the show by talking about how Nintendo won E3? I You guys can talk about that. I'll listen because I'm eager to hear about it because I... The the conference, don't know much nintendo like surprised everyone and i think they really really learned um i think it's from their past mistakes or misgivings and maybe maybe they stole some ideas from other conventions but they they went in so hard and the the surprises and reveals were insane you got you got a a new metroid 
Prime Four and a new Kirby and a new Yoshi, and then like and the instant Samus Returns on the yeah. 3DS. Yeah, so, yeah, Switch and one for the 3DS. Yep, and then mm-hmm. uh, Pokemon, a Pokemon RPG by Game yep. Freak, and that's for the Switch. Um, and the then Pokemon of course Mario Odyssey because they've done they've done Pokemon RPGs before, but that aren't the main game. But it's a core Pokemon RPG. Yeah, that, that core yeah. word is important because like Super Mystery Dungeon games are RPGs, but they're not nearly as widely uh, or enjoyed like, bought or as... like Colosseum and XD yeah. Gale of Darkness. Yeah. But when they said a core Pokemon RPG for Switch, that's the killer. That's the next one. That's the next. See, Pokemon I feel like what really Switch. helped out Nintendo's conference was having that conference a week before to announce that Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon were coming out. Yeah, and definitely. Because that took three major, well, two major titles away from E3. Yeah. So they and could also, focus more on other shit. Also, people were kind of underwhelmed by the announcement of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. They were like, oh, really? You know, I just bought this and you're releasing a new version of it already. So I think having that bringing the conference down would have hurt them. So, again, it was good to have it beforehand. So E3 could just be boom, awesome, boom, awesome. Yeah, and Nintendo's got, like, the the conference thing down to like a science it's yeah, like definitely. you you get Nintendo in has it's like fucking everything down to a science it's like trim all the fat 25 minutes you get a little poetry from reggie i know trailer trailer sad. trailer trailer and then it's done and you out and then you get like six days of like treehouse yeah the treehouse is cool i want the metroid amiibos <laughs> with that squishy they metroid. look really cool uh, obviously, I didn't get to feel the squishy Metroid, but I I got some pictures of them, and they're pretty cool looking. Yeah, I really uh, the... want those, and I don't I don't really think I'm hyped for like any other amiibos. The ones that do look cool are the Mario Odyssey. Um, oh, the white suits and the wedding, yeah. the wedding amiibo. Yeah, yeah those yeah. are really kind. Of, those are cool. Andy, what about they... the new Zelda amiibo for the expansion? Oh yeah. I still those haven't played so them in a while, but those look awesome too. I got like those were on rotating platforms in the amiibo cases, and it took videos of them rotating. And it's so it looks so cool. There are I there are a play few Breath of, of the those Wild that so I want also. Guys. Breath of the Wild is so good; it's so overwhelming, it. though. I want to switch. I want to play it. I don't want to <laughs> get it for Wii U. I want to get it for Switch. <laughs> Zach, go buy a Switch when you go home. I want a Switch. I can't afford. It. I just spent like fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars to make this trip to E three. And we're trying to buy a house, and I don't have money to buy a Switch. Christmas uh, is what I E3, E3 should just personally send you send you one. Uh, it's like I can get one, I can afford one new console a year. In 2016, it was a new 3DS XL. In 20, no, 2015 was the new 3DS. 2016 was the PS4. 2017 will be a Switch, but it'll probably be at the end of the year. That's okay, though, because by the time Christmas rolls around, they're going to have fucking bundles. Yeah, and oh, they're, gonna have, GameStop they're gonna have a Splatoon 2 bundle. They'll have an Arms bundle. They'll have a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe bundle. They well, might one have that Mario comes Mario. with all three. Yeah, exactly. So I can hold off. I really want to play Breath of the Wild, but in well, the well, Zach, uh, when you do get your Switch, let me yeah. know. We'll play Splatoon 2 together. Sounds Yo. good. So uh, I'm all about those bundles to save money. And so like. 90% of the conference was all, like, stuff coming out this year. For, yeah. uh... For, for Switch. Zelda. Or, uh, for Nintendo. 
Yeah, so it's like the new the the expansion pack for Zelda, yeah, Mario Odyssey, Xenoblade, Fire Emblem Warriors, and you had like a couple of 2018, like the Kirby, the Yoshi, the Metroid, but everything else was just like this year, this year, this year. Yeah, and, and like. On, on, the Kirby and the Yoshi, it's fine because they are always making new Kirby and Yoshi games. So it's not like people are anxious for another one yeah. or eager for a new one. But even even the announcement of a new Metroid game, like there has not been a new Metroid game since fucking uh, Other M. You know what? I'm let's so not talk about that. I'm so disappointed that we didn't get a corruption for, also Metroid for, corruption uh, Federation Force Two. I was oh, really yeah, crossing my fingers. One. That was a thing that happened. Sure was. I'm kind of surprised they didn't reveal um like a Smash Bros. port for the uh, yeah, Switch, like Smash things. DX. Yeah. I, I, in hindsight, I think that's because they didn't want to take anything away from like Arms and Pokemon and po- Pokken DX and stuff. Because if you if you're gonna put out Smash Brothers this year, that who's gonna go and buy Arms? That's you very know. true. I would. I'm going to sell but I mean, I'm going to buy arms with arms, but I don't think that's a good <laughs> argument because I would compare Splatoon and arms before I'd compare Smash to either of them. Because I don't know, Smash seems totally different to me. They're all different and unique because, you know, arms is one on one or two on two, and Splatoon is like territorial and four on four, and Smash is every man for himself, but it so they're all different. But I think Arms and Splatoon are a lot more like them. I mean, the Splatoon you either. got guns, and in in Arms and Smash you're like throwing hands. Like it's yeah, but oh, they're so different. I would, I would definitely compare Smash or uh, Splatoon and Arms more. I don't know. I think team based shooting and then like punching a dude in the face. I just is like... I just feel that if Nintendo is gonna bring out like Pokemon. Like, yeah. don't, don't like leave it and then like, oh shit, we didn't do anything with that game. All right, whatever, fuck it. Like, I feel like that's very much what happened on the Wii U with Pokemon. Sure. They had like all these ideas for like coming out with DLC and then the the DLC was only came to the arcade version in Japan. Yeah, and then later down the line they were just like, oh fuck, we didn't release that. Eh, it's too yeah. late. Well, See yeah. that. Pokemon DX is actually a strange announcement to me because it makes sense if they've got more characters in the arcade version to bring them to the console version. And okay, yeah, sure, there's a new game mode. There's the 3v3 or whatever. And uh, like six new characters or three new characters are hard many. But to me, it makes more sense to do Smash instead of Pokemon DX because Smash had like how many DLC characters? Like eight characters and like almost a dozen new stages yeah. and it had a lot more content through DLC. And to me, like Pokken is a, for the most part, a one V one fighter and arms is a one V one fighter. So that seems strange to me to have Pokken and arms both coming out at similar times. It would make more sense to me to have arms and smash. Well, of course, I, I, but like, I, I mean, plus smash is more popular. Mm. Pokken did. Plus, it was the smash plus smash. Smash has yeah. Pokemon. Yeah, it's exactly. not like everything Nintendo does make sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Good call. I uh, retract all of my arguments, Stan. You're <laughs> trying to Very apply dumb. logic to Nintendo, and their logic is fuck logic. 
<laughs> they got different logic. Kick logic Nintendo's, and do the Nintendo's logic is Reggie. <laughs> like, he is the logic. You know, that was another disappointing part of E3 for uh, me, is that, like, I see all these people on Facebook and Twitter saying, oh, I ran into Reggie outside the convention center. Oh, I ran into Miyamoto. Oh, look at this. Bi-. Like, all the big wigs they just run into. And I'm like, I didn't fucking see anybody of importance. <laughs> Except they all with the different, like, Quote, unquote, run into yeah. equals stalking. Right, right. <laughs> walk into... I don't think we said anything about Mario. Yeah. Well, let's, Except let's... for me saying I wandered around and checked out the area. Yeah, yeah but I'm I'm talking about, like, becoming a man on yeah. the street. Yeah. yeah. And possessing things. Oh, uh, fuck that. I, I'm, I'm thinking more of, like, becoming T-Rex Mario. Yeah, I'm thinking T-Rex about Mario, becoming a, a taxi. Mario. Oh, it's so good. So like, in the in the Nintendo booth, like the massive Mario City that they meet, or uh, was it Kong? New Donk City. New Donk New City. Donk that's City. The one. Like that's what the booth was set up like. Is New Donk City? Honk really, if you donk. A really cool setup, and they had all these massive statues of, like there's Bullet Bill Mario on display. There was Chain uh, Chain Chomp Mario. There was the Tank Mario. Uh, there were several different. Mario inhabiting random item statues around the Nintendo booth, and it was really cool. I just, I just want to become everything. <laughs> Definitely T Rex Mario. You should play the game Everything. I should. Yes, I I, I know you did a review on that. <laughs> uh, we should, we, you we, can we, become we everything, yes. but it wasn't at E3, so let's skip it. Oh, uh, play it. I, I, know, I still play it. I, but, I enjoyed your review, uh, and we'll we'll put that into the show notes as well. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mario. Dan, you want to talk about Mario. I keep derailing. I apologize. I mean, I was not expecting any of what I saw in that trailer. Let me let me just say that that song in that trailer is catchy as fuck. Yeah, it's it's a jazzy song about how awesome Mario is. And I, I want the entire soundtrack to be an That's... entire suite of, of jazz singing, Mario praising. Jive, it's a good I mean, thing that that song is catchy because Mario used to have the best, most catchy, most iconic music. You still remember music from Mario, Super Mario, Mario 64. I don't remember music from Mario Galaxy. I love Mario Galaxy, but I don't remember any specific song from it. Um, I don't remember the last game. Probably the most recent Mario game that I remember tracks from is 64. So if they can bring iconic memorable music to mario again that'll be awesome oh show and the vocalist in the, in the in the song she was really awesome so oh yeah you mean yeah. uh paula wait paula what? you know uh paula i think it was paula is her name from donkey kong original pauline that's what her name oh is. oh that's her oh from, pauline uh, is the donkey the mayor kong. of yeah. new donk city i thought uh... she was a jazz singer she is the, no sir. It is 2017. Pauline is the mayor. <laughs> okay. She also is a singer, but you can be uh, two things. Okay. She's yeah. the mayor of New Donk City. Start googling Pauline. Her search is Pauline Mario. Do you do you think do you think she named New Donk City after New Donk City because of Donkey Kong? Yes. Yes. Case closed. <laughs> anyway, Mario's got a hat. He can become anything he wants. The end. That game looks amazing. 
was not expecting any of that shit. I was expecting a straight up new Mario game. I was not expecting like a possession mechanic. Uh, so good. <laughs> here we are. Pushing the envelope. I love it. Well, just, yeah, just the way that it started with the T-Rex. And I'm like, oh, this is so new for funny. a Mario game. And then I see Mario's hat. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> somebody, somebody asked um, if it was possible for T-Rex Mario to ride Yoshi to Miyamoto. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And, Miyamoto was like, "Please don't do this." That, <laughs> would that would put too out. much strain on. That would put too much strain on Yoshi. Please do not do this, yeah. <laughs> guys. Guys, we need we need to go back to the old school Super Mario Brothers live action movie and Photoshop a Mario hat every time T Rex Yoshi's in the in the in the film. I'll leave I'll leave that to you, Chris. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was just I was just gonna suggest we just go through a quick run through of like our top five favorite news reveals. Mario, 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 Mario. There you go. <laughs> uh, Zach? Oh, all right, okay. Uh, Metro Exodus. I love the Metro uh, series, so um, I was not expecting that. Very, 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 very cool reveal from Microsoft. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, Wolfenstein 2, uh, Mario Odyssey, and Monster Hunter World, and audible mentions to Horizon Zero Dawn DLC. I forgot all about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. There's you know, it, it, looks good. it looks good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For, for me, it would be uh, Mario, Metroid, the Metroid Amiibos. I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know for the other two. Nothing tops the Metroid Amiibo. <laughs> No, that Metroid Amiibo is fucking choice. I, I love that they do some random Amiibo, like the Metroid is squishy. It makes me think of the um, Yarn Amiibo, the Yarn Yoshi. It's just Which I've making collected all a bit three different colors. and unique. But do you have Mega Yarn Yoshi? Uh, no, because that shit is impossible to find, and even if I go. could find it, it was $60. Yep. Worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, do you have more? No, that's all I have. Um, right, so mine were... I, I still need to be sold on Mario Odyssey, I'll be honest. I, I think the possession mechanic looks really fun, but uh, the gameplay itself still looked pretty air to me. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm absolutely wrong because everybody else has said that it's so amazing, but it's not my top five. Uh, my top five... Zach, have you ever played a Mario game? Yes, I have. Do you like Mario games? I do. All right. <laughs> so, Zip like it. I said... I am fully prepared to be absolutely wrong about this. Okay, I'm just, I'm still not there yet. But uh, my my top five in no specific order are God of War because it makes me interested and care about a God of War game. Like I have never played one before, and I actively want to play this one. Uh, I feel the exact opposite. I've played yeah. almost every God of War game, and I have almost no interest in this That's one. Funny, but he's a dad. You guys got the weirdest opinions. I swear. I, I'm really excited about Dad of War. I mean, he, it, it 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 puts all the other games to canon and in the trailers. Uh, I don't know who that lady is. I don't know if she's like a demigod, but she's like, oh, you're a long way from home. And I mean, I'm know, not saying I'm not here? gonna play it, but I'm just it's not. Since you're not interested, um, um, I'll think about so it. God of War, Vampire, because it went from not caring to absolutely wanting it right now. Detroit, because I think it's delivering on all of its promises and more. I think it's going to be really awesome. Uh, Moss, because it's really adorable and it's a really unique take on VR. And uh, 
Life is Strange Before the Storm. It wasn't playable, but it was the demo that they showed was, you know, back to Life is Strange from before, except, you know, like it's a prequel. And I really like they said that there's not going to be any power. She's not going to have time travel stuff. That's not going to be an element in the game because it's before all that happened. And that makes sense to me in the story. It would be really strange to shoehorn that power in in a prequel. So it's just going to be like the drama and the teen angst and stuff. And I'm all about it. Nice. Plus, you know, playing as Chloe. The only disappointment about that is that it's not Ashley Birch voicing her because of the SAG after strike. Uh, Oh, that's uh, still going on. That's right. Um, yeah but um but the voice actress who does it now i'm not sure who it is but she was coached by ashley birch on the character and they worked together on it a little bit and um she still sounds like a good double so those are my top five cool nice and if you guys don't mind i want to take just a few more minutes i'm sorry stan just to do a really quick rundown of some of the other games just really quick okay but i didn't give my real top five Oh, it was, it, that's it. you said Mario, 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 Mario. I believed you. Yeah. Right, well, I'm a liar. You do it, and then I'll do my rundown. Mario Odyssey, number one. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, number two. Uh, Dad of War, number three. Nice. Uh, Spider-Man, number four. Oh, Spider-Man's definitely on my list. Number five. Shin Megami Tensei. Nice. Strange Journey Redux. Oh yeah, for the 3DS. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know what, Stan? I've got I've got a sticker for that. I know. I saw. I'm very jelly. I to, like, send it to you. Um, please do that. <laughs> um, a little quick backstory on that game. I've been a Persona fan since three, but I never really dipped my toes into the larger. Shin Megami Tensei games but then I got Strange Journey for the DS and it blew my mind and I never thought that they would ever revisit it because they always revisit all the other games and I was very prepared to never return to Strange Journey but they're sure. doing it it's a That's deep awesome. Strange Journey Stay, like, you should really check out Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne I think that was, like, I, that was I, the first I, one I did check I, I have it yeah, that was like the first one, the PS2. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I played that one. But this one, Strange Journey, is like a hole opens up in and and sorry, it's like Antarctica, to, it's like a portal to hell, and like you're a soldier, and you have to explore it and go deep, and it's strange, and it's a journey. That's it. That's my top Dude, five. I'm going. Journey. I'm going. I'm going to bed. Peace out. Come <laughs> scout. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, I'll just uh, touch on a few of these real quick. Going down my list. Lawbreakers. Um, a lot of people roll their eyes about Lawbreakers. I think it's uh, going to be pretty generic team versus team action. But uh, what I played was surprisingly fun. Uh, it was like, it was a, the game type was called Blitzball. And ah. I don't think that are allowed to do that. It's spelled the same as Final Fantasy X. And I don't understand how they're able to do that. Can you do spear uh, shots? No. It's basically <laughs> capture the ball instead of capture the flag. There's a ball in the middle of the arena, and you have to take it and take it to the enemy's goal. Um, and you can shoot people to kill them and stop them. And I was using a character that can dash. And the first the first round, I played like a heavy character, and I died all the time, and we lost two to three. The second round I played, uh, I was like an agile character with a dash ability, and I scored eight goals out of eight. And... 
or I scored eight points out of eight, and the other team didn't score once. And it was awesome. <laughs> like, I was the only person on my team that scored at all. I was the only person in the game that scored at all. Because her dash ability was fucking broken. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. Laser League is a new uh, indie game coming out. Uh, for It's going to be on early access first, then coming to PS4 and Xbox next year. Oh, I, saw, I saw a video about this. It's like, it's like, it looks like Tron, but with like... Uh, kind of. It, it's The only thing Tron related to me is that's lasers. But uh, you, you, it's uh, it could be two v two, three v three, or four v four, and uh, if you touch a laser of your opposing team's color, you die. And someone on your team can revive you by running over your body. Uh, if everybody on your team dies, the other team gets a point. There's uh, best out of three wins, basically. And you activate the lasers by running over the beacons that are in the stage. More beacons spawn throughout the stage or throughout the round. And they'll deactivate after a set amount of time. Like, they'll have a cooldown, then they'll go deactive. But you just run over it again to turn it to your color. There are other abilities that uh, each character has, like a shock to paralyze enemies, or I don't remember the other abilities. But uh, <laughs> it's it's really addictive, really fun, and really good to play in a group. I think it'll be a really awesome couch co-op game, or a couch versus game. And I think, like, it has potential to be a really great eSport actually. Um, so that's really cool. And I'm going to keep my eyes on that. Uh, Pwned, P-W-N-D, is uh, going into beta soon in PC, and then it's coming to consoles at a date to be announced. Uh, it's like a team-based arena shooter, like, you know, Team Fortress or Overwatch or something, except the object isn't to kill the enemies. You can kill enemies to slow them down, but the object is to taunt over their bodies once you've incapacitated them. Uh, the taunts that they have are like dances and they don't have lewd stuff like teabagging or anything which is they've tossed the idea around but they're not sure if they want to cross the line Um, Mm -hmm. but it's like dancing on the corpse basically if you get knocked out if they uh, take you down you can still crawl and you can crawl to like an area where you can your teammate can revive you Uh, but if the other team successfully taunts on you then you uh then they get points the longer you stay alive the more kills you have under your belt the more taunts you have under your belt the more points you're worth kind of like skull and bones that's what i was getting confused with earlier so the the longer you stay alive and the more kills you get the more points you are worth to the enemy to taunt so if i have 20 kills under my belt then they'll probably get 20 points out of 50 for taunting on me so it's a it's a neat twist on the standard arena shooter uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, Stan. Uh, I didn't get to play it, but I watched the presentation. Uh, the line was always so long. I don't know if you saw them post earlier today. Bandai Namco posted the amount of awards they had. They had more awards on their area than I've seen for any other game in the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see what awards Mario got, so that probably got more. But Mario Fi- Dragon Ball Fighters <laughs> had dozens and dozens of awards, yeah. and it definitely seems like it's going to be... Good. Really, really, like, really good. Like, even with the leak, like, not only the reveal trailer, <laughs> but, like, the full, like, three to four minute uh, match yeah. they released, like, yesterday. Oh, my God. That it's that game. Smooth. It's so smooth. It's oh, my God. So it's, it's the real so anime. Capcom. Like, I mean, it's anime to begin with. Like, But, like, like how, like, one round transitions to the other. It's not, like... Yeah. A reset is like two characters clashing and like a huge explosion and then it goes sure. into the second round. It's like, ah, oh, I, I want Arc System Works to 
to do all of Neko Bandai anime fighting games. Like, I want them to do JoJo. I want them to do Naruto, One Piece. I didn't even play One Piece, but holy shit, I would if they would do that. Oh, That's man, that would work so well for JoJo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> man, I cannot wait for this game. Yeah, so, it, it, like, uh, the big question was what other fighters are going to be? How many fighters are they going to be? What other modes are they going to be? And they didn't want to talk about any other modes, but there will be more modes. So I'm looking forward to seeing if there's, like, a campaign. Um, and they also said that uh, at this time, they didn't say, like, oh, we don't have anything to announce right now. They just said, right now, all the characters are these six. Um, there will be more, but yeah. that's that. Instead, I know we covered this in the last episode, and it looks to me like the transformations are part of the same character and not as yeah. opposed to not being like a, a separate yeah. or different yeah. character slot, which is the, good. Cause I can like, tell you about that. Okay, cool. Um, the, the transformations are linked to specific moves. Like you play as standard Super Saiyan Goku. It's not that Goku's not a character. It's just Super Saiyan Goku. And he can go Super Saiyan 3 when he does a specific move, but it doesn't last for the rest of the round or anything. It's just... He uses a specific move, and he tr- goes to Super Saiyan 3, and he does that, and then it goes away real quick. Cool. Um, I think once he's used that move, he stays there for a few seconds, but it's definitely a short-term thing, kind of like Frieza going to Gold Frieza, um, stuff like that. So those they're not separate characters. It's just used. It activates when you use specific moves. Okay. Excellent. Oh, my God. Cannot wait. Moving on. Just a couple more. Uh, Nino Kuni oh. 2? Yeah, we'll talk about Nino Kuni and a Plague Tale and then be done. Nino Kuni 2, I never, I started playing Nino Kuni 1 and didn't uh, get super into it. I want to give it another chance, but Nino Kuni 2 seems to be quite a bit different. Like the, the battle system is totally different, but it's, it's interesting because there's so much going on in a battle at once, but it's very fluid and very easy. Like it's intuitive. You're using a lot of buttons to do a lot of different things. Use your specials. Use the little uh, Pikmin-like things on the screen in your battle. I forget what they're called. I've got it right here. Higglies. The little, like, fire things and the water things that kind of look like they're Pikmin. They're Higglies. And they have special abilities. And they can protect you or heal you or use special attacks. Um, And you control them. And you control yourself. And you have normal attacks and heavy attacks and special attacks. And... There's so much that you can do during a battle, so many different ways you can approach it, but it's, like I said, very fluid and very intuitive. Like, you learn the controls, and then once you've done one practice battle, you know what you're doing. So mm-hmm. it's very very easy to pick it all up, even though there's a lot that you can do, and that's great. And it looks really good. It looks very pretty. And one of the things I'm most excited about is they announced that there's going to be a town-building aspect, um, and it's got a lot, some of the main people that worked on the Dark Cloud games, Ooh, Dark Cloud. Oh. Do you remember the town building in Dark Cloud? Uh, that was, like, I wasted so much time just doing the town building stuff in that. And so I'm really, they didn't have anything to show. There's, like, a real quick snippet of it in, like, the trailer that's just during a cut, 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 cut through scenes. You can see, like, one little bit of it, but they, they haven't shown anything off. They've just announced it. And I'm really excited to see more of that. Also, an important thing for people to know is that it's kind of like Final Fantasy and Persona, where Nino Kuni 2 is not a sequel to Nino Kuni. It's got some similar places. It's not like a different time in the same world. It's not an alternate. It's just this is a different game from Nino Kuni 1. 
So you don't have to play the first one to enjoy the second. And awesome. uh, finally, A Plague Tale Insurgents from Focus Home Interactive. Uh, that's. Did either of you guys play uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons? Uh, I heard of it, but like I, I haven't. It, a big focus on it was, uh, you know, there's two brothers, and you control one with one joystick and one with the other joystick, and it made for some really interesting gameplay. But mm. the the focus was on these the relationship between these two brothers, and um, like one can't survive without the other kind of thing. They're very dependent on each other, especially since you're controlling both and you have to use them to solve puzzles together. Uh, Plague Tale Insurgents is about a brother and a sister. Brother's like five, and the sister's I think ten or twelve. And they are living during the age of the Black Plague in Europe. So all the uh, rats are infesting Europe. And uh, and you only control the girl, but the boy helps. He's small. He can fit into spaces that the girl can't. So the girl can say, oh, you know, can you go over there and unlock the door for me? Because I can't slip through the bars. Um, because they're children, they don't have like a... T- it's not like an RPG. It's a very dark and grim looking game. Um, you don't like attack the rats or anything, but the rats are averse to light or, uh, yeah, light and flame. So there's a bit in the demo where you need to get a torch and, uh, light the torch and carry on down the path you want to go towards because that's the only way you can get past. But then when you get past the rats are blocking your way back so you can't get back. And, um, there are also, uh, the Inquisition. Excuse me, because uh, France invaded by the Inquisition, and uh, so your enemies basically they have to stay safe from are the Inquisition and the rats. But the Inquisition have uh, or the soldiers with them have lanterns, and you can like use your slingshot and take out their light, and so the rats swarm on the. Whoa! Guy. Yeah, that's so you're awesome. Them, but you're getting them out of your way. You're still kind of a brutal 12-year-old girl. <laughs> That's badass. I, I need this game. So it, it... Yeah, check out the trailer. It looks really cool. Um, I think they said 2018 sometime. Again, vaguely 2018. But it looks pretty cool. Worth looking into. Cool. I'll definitely check it out. I will, uh... What's it, what consoles? All consoles are PS4 exclusive? Uh, it's coming to P- Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Awesome. Cool. Oh, we'll be launching Q4, quarter 4, 2018. So it's a ways off yet, but they could say Q4, 2018. All right. Oh, all right. All I've, got, I've got more that I could say, but I think we're all tired. And we've been going yeah, for it's, uh, two hours almost. Uh, it's E3, baby. It's all good. Yeah, man. Mario time. Bummer right, that Ryan couldn't make it, but I'm glad we had three of the four. In, indeed, indeed. And thank you, Zach. Thank you for always coming on and being our special, special honorary nerd pal and being awesome and My having your, and, and, and sharing. You know what? You know what? Uh, I'm, we need to work out what I can come on next because uh, Stan helped me get a review copy of Alexa Ray Coria's Kingdom Hearts 2 book. Just it uh, was kickstarted recently that and you know, a series of other books and it uh, it's coming out very soon the books have just gone to the press and I am like 85% through it I'll finish it before the end of my trip 
And uh, so I'll come on the show soon to review that. Nice. And next month, after D23, we could talk about the new Kingdom Hearts trailer. And you and yeah. Andy can go all out, because I remember last yeah. time uh, that didn't happen. Or Well, we, I was on the show tonight with Andy, and we didn't talk about the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer. We just talked oh. about the fact that there was going to be another one next month, but we didn't really talk about this. Oh, one. okay. So you guys so, will be unleashed. It'll be good. Yeah, so next yeah. month we'll, we'll try and get me back on to talk about all the Kingdom Hearts again. Most excellent. Stan, you want to close this out? Yeah, so E3, it happened. There's a lot of games. So much Too many news. to talk to. Talk about, rather. Too many to talk about. We did our best. We talked about as we many did. as we could. We did. There were diamonds, fishing, mm. sentient motorcycles. Mm. <laughs> more and more and more. Hope more. you enjoyed. Um... I'm Stan Gadriski. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. 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 I'm Chris Sampson. You can find me on Twitter at Kyo Niche for Hire. That's K-Y-O Niche for Hire. I am Zach Lyons. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary P. Lyons. Uh, and at PlayStation Universe, PSU.com. I'll have lots of impressions and notes and news about all the E3 stuff that I've talked about tonight and more coming up in the next week or so. So Hell keep yeah. an eye out for that on PSU.com. You can yep. find Andy on Twitter at SweetJustice1. That's O-N-E. You can find us on Twitter at, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on Super Nerd Pals, Facebook.com slash group slash Super Nerd Pals, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We out here. Yeah. Download. Like, Please. share, rate, tell subscribe, your tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell us what you think about Mario as a T-Rex. It's awesome. Tell us what you think about Mario as Luigi. Oh my god. <laughs> Error 404. Break the internet. Mario as Wario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, but until then, uh, have a great night. I hope you all enjoyed E3, and we'll see you next week. And thanks, Zach, for joining us and being our our boy on the ground. Hell yeah, our, Zach! Our, our nerd Woo! at large. Thank you for having Zach me. Zach what up? All right. And that's us. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks Peace. for listening. Good night. Stop recording. Yeah.